Hey everybody, welcome back to A Flair for the Curious. I'm Anthony J. Swindell, and on this episode of the podcast, you'll hear my conversation with Kevin Akkad, founder of Inner Shift Healing. Kevin's a certified massage therapist who infuses his talents as a Reiki master and energy healer into his practice. He's also an angel communicator who transmits messages from divine beings to his clients, and in our chat, you'll hear that he channels some divine guidance for me. He actually gave me the answer to the question that I was planning to ask, so that was pretty cool, and it was really meaningful. Lately, Kevin's been increasingly facilitating breathwork practices and meditations as a modality for growth and healing, along with his many other skills and teachings in the toolkit. Kevin is enthusiastic about empowering the people he comes into contact with to develop their own strengths and abilities, and he believes each person has the potential to further awaken and tap more deeply into their own natural, intuitive talents. On both his website, innershifthealing.com, and on YouTube, he's got a series of videos where he shares insights and teachings to help us heal along our journey and to awaken to our greatest potential. He's also got some videos about his own amazing stories of miraculous events and overcoming challenges. In our conversation, he talks about how he went from living a successful corporate lifestyle and business to embracing his gifts, following his heart, and committing to living his life as a full-time healer. I um, recap my experience during our conversation receiving energy work from him in the past and how powerful that was, and we dive into energy healing, angel communication, synchronicities, miraculous events, and so much more. Do be sure to listen all the way to the end of the episode because uh, towards the end, Kevin shares some ways that we can listen more deeply to ourselves to discern the differences between uh, the background thoughts and the intuitive thoughts and access the God-given superpowers that each and every one of us possesses. Uh, Before we jump in, I do want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening along and supporting the show and offer a warm welcome to anyone who's listening for the first time. Uh, I'm really glad you tuned in and I really like to think of all of you as part of this curious community. I do invite you to reach out and share any thoughts, questions, or comments, or even open a dialogue with me if you'd like. And if you got a second, I invite you to give this podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and subscribe there or wherever it is that you listen. And if you'd like to help even more, a written review is one of the best ways as it actually really encourages people to give this show a chance. I was surprised by how much of a bump we got after getting some public feedback, so uh, please do drop us a quick review and feel free to share the show with someone you know. There will be links to Kevin's website, innershifthealing.com, and his YouTube page uh, in the show notes to this episode, and those can also be found at aflareforthecurious.com. All right, you beautiful people, get ready to get lifted. Exhale completely. I invite you to take a deep breath with me. Gently release. And enjoy my conversation with Kevin Akkad. You're listening to A Flair for the Curious. I'm your host, Anthony Swindell, and today I'm sitting down with Kevin Akkad. Kevin, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me, Anthony. It's great to be here. Oh, awesome. Thank you for inviting me into your home. This is a wonderful space you have here. Thank you. Yeah, thank it's you. It's really great. It's good to have you here. Yeah. Nice to see you. It's been a while. It's been maybe almost five years since we've it's seen each other. It's been about huh? five years, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was uh, dabbling back in California back in 2014, maybe? Something yes. like that? Yeah. yeah. Sweet. So, uh, Kevin, you are the founder of Inner Shift Healing. Yes. And people can find that uh, on innershifthealing.com. Yes. So um, what do you do at Innershift Healing? Um, well, Innershift Healing was actually created out of um, a question I asked long ago. What am I supposed to be doing with my life? And at the time, I was working in a corporate career, and we'll get into that. But um, 
when I was asking the question, I kept being led to intuitive people telling me what it is that I'm best suited for. And they said energy healing and um, massage, essentially. They didn't tell me that directly, but each one of them separately would tell me that I'm a healer. I didn't know what a healer was. And when I asked the first lady that said I was a healer, I told her to tell me what type of healer. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, it doesn't work that way. Mm. You have to keep asking. So as I kept asking, the energy healing and physical massage uh, kept coming up for me. So okay. um, essentially, the first iteration of Inner Shift Healing was a company called On the Table, where I provided massage and healing services. Mm -hmm. And as the business evolved, it became Inner Shift Healing. And now we... We do what I call Reiki massage, mm -hmm. which is an energetic massage. It's physical mixed with energy. We do breathwork meditation and also um, just straight up energy healing sessions with intuitive guidance. So anything that you know, the client needs to know is brought through me as the channel, um, both on the energetic level as well as the, the audible verbal level. Nice. Yeah. And you were, uh, you were doing business before that, right? So quite the, <laughs> quite the transition to a different way of living. Very, very much so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> in, in the beginning, I was, I guess, everybody in my family is either an entrepreneur or in finance of, of some sort. So mm -hmm. um, there was always that entrepreneurial spirit. And so I studied business at USC and was going that route and mm -hmm. was working with um, studios, actually, MGM, Sony, and others in home entertainment Oh wow! Um, when I started asking the question, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it was very business in the beginning. Yeah. Oh, wow. So uh, on your website, you also list, you say Reiki master and teacher. Mm -hmm. You're an advanced clear light healer, mm -hmm. a certified massage therapist. Correct. Uh, Vedic meditation practitioner, as you mentioned, a breath you do breath work meditation and facilitation uh, mm -hmm. here in Los Angeles, uh, and you're a member of the ABMP and CAMTC. Yes. What are those acronyms? They are um, organizations for massage professionals, oh, essentially. Nice. One of them is California specific, and the other one is the Association of Body Work and Massage Professionals. Oh wow. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So I've had experience with you uh, doing both the traditional massage and doing Reiki. And mm -hmm. I yeah, had wonderful experiences. Thank you. Doing both. Yeah. So the, the traditional massage, what I what I really enjoyed about it was um, you you have an intuition for the body. You were able to get into my psoas. And uh, but I also really appreciated your uh, ability to speak eloquently about anatomy. And mm -hmm. you were able to give me some follow-up exercises to do and uh, you taught me a little bit more about the areas Everybody that I was having trouble with. with homework yeah <laughs> <laughs> you cannot come to yeah. shift healing without homework <laughs> I love it leave with homework yeah sure. <laughs> yeah um so I did those for a while but uh you know I had a little bit of trouble with discipline so it, it wavers <laughs> it wavers um but my other experience with you doing uh Reiki was profound so um oh, maybe you. for people who are unfamiliar with what Reiki is can we can we just say what that is really quickly Sure. Um, well, essentially, Reiki, the word Reiki, or two words combined together um, that define that are defined as universal energy. So um, Reiki is a modality of bringing this universal energy, a high vibrational energy, to clients. And the way that it works is um, everybody has an energy field. So we, you know, science calls it a bioenergy field. Mm -hmm. um, in spirituality, we call it an aura. And essentially, um, that aura is always flowing in and out of our bodies. Imagine, like, however tall you are, just imagine an apple mm -hmm. <clears throat> that you fit into the core of. And you're in the core of this apple, and the outer 
perimeter or circumference of this apple is the outer edge of your energy field. Mm -hmm. So everybody has this energy field around them. What happens, though, is over time and through stress and old paradigms and conditioning, thoughts, emotions, sometimes these lower vibrational thoughts and emotions that we have about ourselves or others or judgments, things like that, can become like pebbles in the stream of energy that is supposed to be flowing in and out of the physical body all throughout this apple. And so what energy healing does is it helps to heal the energy. Mm -hmm. Okay, So that energy field... Um, whether there's impediments, tears, uh, cords attached from one person to another, an energy healer becomes the conduit for the energy to come through them. Mm-hmm. They're just the, they're the vessel, and the practitioner helps to clear or ameliorate or fix the energy of the client. Nice. Yeah. So it's not actually hands-on. Your hands are above the person usually? You don't it really depends. It depends on what spirit um, is calling me to do. Because even the physical body, mm-hmm. um, which is made up of atoms, yeah. anything smaller than an atom is just energy. Mm-hmm. 99.9% of scientists agree on this now. Yeah. Um, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so um, even the physical body sometimes will require a physical touch. Sometimes mm-hmm. a tap, an encouragement for the energy to rise. Mm-hmm. Because... You know, if you imagine those Russian dolls, one doll inside of the other, inside of the other, inside of the other, that's kind of how our energy bodies are. Mm-hmm. And the smallest doll is our physical body. Mm-hmm. So in order for something to become physical, it moves through those outer layers. Yes. First the spiritual body, then the mental body, then the emotional body, and then ultimately the physical body. Mm-hmm. And when it enters the physical body, even though the physical body is energy, those impediments can get deep into the physical body and sometimes we'll need encouragement like a tapping or moving the hand in a certain way on the physical body. So sometimes there is physical touch, Mm -hmm. um, but it really depends on what spirit is calling for. Yeah. It's yeah, we have this, it's so dense, we get a lot of that energy trapped in the physical body. Yeah. We've got to move it through. In yoga, they talk about these energy bodies as the, the koshas, the sheaths. Mm. Are you familiar with this term? The no, but that, punch, punch I can see it in my head. Yes. Yeah, so they, they describe it in terms of the sheaths. And, and uh, just what you said, my yoga teacher told me, yeah, it mani- illness manifests in the energy body before we... For feel sure. it in the physical body and For i've had sure. some of my own personal experiences with that as well haven't we all um, yeah uh so yeah so when i came to visit you to to do the reiki um i'll just I'll share my story real quick sure. uh, about how how um, my experience was with was with you because i i you know i've had a reiki in my life for a really long time um mm. The person we met through, uh, Maggie Tracy, yeah. she's been in my life since I was, you know, 10 years old. Powerful and, woman. <laughs> and she's a powerful healer herself. So, I, you know, I've had Reiki in my, my, my circles and my periphery. I, I've had partners who trained in it, but I've always been really skeptical. The, mm. the experience I had with it, I was ne- it was never really strong in terms of a physical sensation. So I was always kind of unsure if it was maybe in my head. I was never really sure, you know. I'd go along with it, sure, I'll, I'll try I'll tell you it. the same, the, the same <laughs> yeah. thing, just real quick, that happened to me when I was led to Reiki. Again, I was very left-brained, very logical, very like methodical in, in my thinking and, and kind of regimented. Mm-hmm. And when I started doing it, I mean, people felt the energy coming from my hands. People would feel, you know... I couldn't feel the energy. I couldn't feel the receipt of the energy. I couldn't feel the exit of the energy. I didn't feel my part in it whatsoever. And it boggled my mind and not scared me, but like I was a shoot. It was like, you know what? Screw this. This makes no sense to me. I don't feel it. I don't know what these people are talking about. And I threw Reiki away for a year. 
I didn't, wow. didn't want to hear about it. It was just too woo-woo for me. It was something beyond my capacity to understand at that time. So yeah. I totally understand <laughs> what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, so uh, before I came to visit you, so we had met a few years before this. Um, and then I, I was going through a breakup. Mm. That with somebody I was very close with, and I had intellectually accepted it, but through my therapist, I came to realize I was experiencing full-blown grief mm. for the loss of this relationship. And so I was kind of in a tough space. Uh, my, my therapist is up in Northern California, Asia Kandrian Morton. She's amazing. Um, so I was doing Skype sessions with her down here in LA, and she was kind of helping me through. And she said, you know what? Like, what happens when a kid falls down and scrapes their knee? Like, you got to be gentle and nurture that child. So you need to nurture yourself right now. Why don't you go try to see a healer, get some kind of some kind of a healing modality applied? And because we've talked about it before that you have a difficult time trusting men, maybe mm. if you know a man who can do That's this, right. you should go get I some healing remember. from a man. And so yeah. right away, as soon as she said that, I, I thought of you because yeah. we had a, a few brief encounters, but you've got a really warm, kind energy. I mm. think we shared a somewhat of a similar story about kind of our, our background and getting into some, some trouble before we cleaned up our acts. Yes. So I, you know, I, I definitely felt a, a strong connection to you. And so right away when she said, like, try to find a, a guy for it, I thought of you. And so called mm-hmm. you up and came down for a Reiki session. And you're like, well, yeah, before we start, why don't you pull one of these tarot cards just to, you know, to see, to see where we're at and what comes up. And I pull a card and sure as shit, it says the exact same thing my therapist said, <laughs> nurture yourself. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> oh my goodness. And so, yeah, I, I was like, okay, that's a sign. The synchronicities are, are always signs along the way. And then, and then you gave me this tip. You said when a doctor does surgery, you don't need to think about what they're doing. You just lay there. Maybe you're even unconscious and you do the surgery. So just imagine mm-hmm. yourself being open to the work I'm going to do. So I, I laid there and I imagined myself literally being flayed open, <laughs> just open and receptive and not really focusing on what you were doing. You were moving about, you know, I, I could, you know, sense that you were doing your thing and I just kind of let you to it while I just continued to focus on being open and relaxed. And I was, oh man, when I was done, yeah, like you're like, okay, take your time getting up and you might be a little dizzy and like, oh yeah, I was full-blown and intoxicated i even had to sit in my car for like 20 minutes before i got on the road in the parking lot when i left um but it was such a i came in feeling so overwhelmed with just uh, just gunk and bogged down with all the emotions that were still swirling around and i just left with a different sense of acceptance and and peace and giddiness i mean you just like allowed for the universal energy to reconfigurate everything that was going on and um and you asked me if i had seen any colors and i said i saw blue and uh i'm on the fence about the whole chakra system because i understand the colors have been ascribed to it in the last 100 150 years but i said i saw a bright blue and you're like oh that is your throat chakra Mm -hmm. and that's the the one when i was clearing your chakras that i i felt was stuck and coincidentally in the couple months leading up to that I had found some reason to study or learn or read about all of the chakras but the throat chakra. <laughs> and so that was the one that was obviously blocked. And it's also, you know, the one that uh, because it's the throat, it has to do with our, yeah. our addictive behaviors. And, you know, I'm always, you know, deciding on what kind of foods I'm going to eat and how what kind of things I want to put in my body. I've had, you know, alcohol addiction in the past that I'm, you know, clean and off of that. So the what you put in is important for the throat chakra, but also how you speak and communicate which this podcast is obviously an expression of me which nurturing that you're wearing a blue shirt <laughs> yeah there, there we go 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm finding my finding my voice and communicating, and so that that correlation really. I mean, I just I walked out of there with a different understanding of Reiki, and right. my, my skepticism was washed away because I, it was undeniable that something had happened in that room. Right. What exactly it was, I'm still curious to figure out. Maybe we can get and a little deeper. But... I'm still curious. <laughs> So many things happen in session that I Mm. even tell clients, like, I don't know if it's Reiki anymore or what it is, but Mm. um, so many things happen in session that, like, in this world, you know, I I seek the truth, I I seek, I seek. And every time you find a nugget of truth, you have 8 million more questions. Yeah. And so where I am now, and I, I hope to give you as best an explanation, and if the information comes through, then I'll share it but as best of an explanation as I can, but I really have resigned myself to just allowing and not needing to know so much anymore. Just trusting and having faith that whatever the client needs or whoever's you know, on my table or in front of me or if I'm working from a distance, that they're just going to receive whatever they're going to receive in the highest light and the highest love. So I, I've really, like, to, these, to this day, a client yesterday was like, what was all this? And I'm like, I have no idea. I'm just told where to put my hands. I'm told mm. what to do. And I follow instruction and, and it gets done. And they leave like, like what you were saying, just feeling lighter, a little bit high. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them have to rest in their car or on the couch downstairs before they leave. But yeah. it's, I, I don't know really what happens. Um, I mean, I get told, but only when the client needs to know, mm-hmm. you know? And like you said, the chakras are... You could spend years studying the chakratic system and still not know enough about it mm-hmm. to do to do something intentional and specific. Uh, so it's there's so, so many le- yeah, and there's so many levels to the subtlety. Like mm-hmm. the chakra has hundreds of chakras in it. Yeah, like it's not just a single chakra. There's yeah. other vortices within each major vortice. So mm-hmm. it's or a vortex. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, I've been delving a little bit into Eastern philosophy and all mm. the different schools uh, across uh, South and Southeast Asia. They all have different wow. systems for it. Some yeah. have five, seven, nine, right. fourteen. And then, like you said, all others. the all the little small <laughs> ones that make up the other ones. And yeah, it's all just it's fractal, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's really amazing. Um, so, how did you get into this? How did you <laughs> how did you um, come to actually make that transition from businessman to healer? <laughs> and maybe maybe your story uh you, so on your youtube channel which uh the videos are also on uh, innershifthealing.com mm-hmm. you share your story about having um an- angelic experiences at, at 13 and then again when you're a little bit older so i don't know if that is part of the shift having that in the back of your mind but maybe you can speak a little bit to ha- what actually happened when you made that change sure um well those memories actually came back to me when i needed to receive them oh. so it was interesting and, and i'll share about that but how the change started happening was i was i mean i was drug addicted and you know in, in a great career i was making a lot of money but um feeling quite empty mm-hmm. and i remember a lot of people around me had hobbies they had things they liked to do and i was feeling very empty like i didn't know what i liked to do i didn't you know if you ask me what i did in my spare time it was smoke weed and watch movies mm-hmm. and that doesn't amount for for much yeah. <laughs> except your ability to quote movies really yeah. well um and your ability to eat a lot yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so for me um it began as as a realization that i didn't know who i was like i was 30 30 years into my life living a very prescripted life, Mm -hmm. you know, what parents said and what teachers said for the most part, and just do what you're told kind of a thing. And so when there was no one around to tell me 
who I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to do, it kind of threw me for a loop. And then I just started doing what I was last told to do, which is just uh, do yeah. your job. Yeah. And there wasn't room for much else. It was make money, save money. Um, and there wasn't much room for other things in my mind. And so when I realized that I was missing something, I started to ask, like, who am I? What, what am I doing? What am I supposed to be doing? I'm not happy at my job, sitting behind a computer, making a lot of money <laughs> on a great trajectory in corporate. Yeah. But, you know, sitting behind, tapping away on keys and going through stress after stress every day, putting out fires and all of this. And, and I realized the coworker had told me, why are you stressing, man? This is just, they're just DVDs. <laughs> they're just DVDs. Like, why do you take your work home? Why do you come here in the morning and you're stressed out? And I'm thinking to myself, fuck, it's just yeah. DVDs. Like, yeah. what am I doing? <laughs> I need to do something a little more meaningful with my life. And that's when I started asking the question, like, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? And, you know, things started happening. A friend of mine, his fiance at the time, my friend Frank, uh, that personal trainer I was telling you about, very holistic and very well, well educated. Um, his fiance at the time, Nicole, said, hey, I have a friend who is an angel card reader. Why don't you go see her? I'm like, angel cards, what's that? And she said, it's kind of like tarot cards, but, you know, with nicer images. And she's very intuitive. Why don't you go see her? And I went to go see her and first three cards that came out of the deck she's like oh you're a healer and i'll save that story for another time because i was very confused after she said that but the fact that that ended up getting confirmed by four other intuitives led me down a path to start to discover who angels are what are their purpose why are they here to help humanity are they here for me too and i just started to consume as much information on angels as possible and in mm -hmm. so doing I was following the, the advice in the books I was reading and the teleconferences I was listening to. And every, I was absorbing everything I can get my hands on in my free time because I was working a lot. And so, you know, I just started to practice what the people were telling me in their books. And before you know it, uh, my life was filled with unbelievable amounts of synchronicities, mm -hmm. things that I could not have planned on my own that literally blew me away. I didn't believe in synchronicity. I didn't even know the word synchronicity. Do you I have any idea on why they show up? Because <laughs> like we were talking about before, like it, it, they seem to, when you're on the right path, they, you get a lot of them. You definitely get a lot more assistance when you're like, here's the thing. When you're struggling, you get a lot of assistance. Mm -hmm. But once you're on path, you get even more. It's so weird. Like the yeah. universe meets you halfway and some. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, especially when you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. And you find yourself either downtrodden or f falling into bad thoughts and bad behaviors. And from time and time again, you'll hear a little voice in your head and you'll get the chills on your arm or something. And it's like, you think that's you. And it's not. It's mm -hmm. actually your, your guardian angel or other angels around you whispering to you. Mm. And it sounds like your voice so that you don't think you're going crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're giving you advice and giving you clues on what to do. It's just they can't. They can't force your choice. So mm -hmm. they kind of have this weird, like they're towing the line of giving us signs and signals and clues, but still allowing us to take the journey ourselves through mm -hmm. choice. Mm -hmm. So this is where like fate and free will come in. And yeah. do we really have it? That's something I've oh, wrestled man. with for like a year. I'm still it's wrestling with it, question. but a lot yeah. <laughs> less, a lot less than before. That's why I got this tattoo oh, wow. here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the angels are always around. They're always around. Um, as a matter of fact, there's a lady named Lorna Byrne who explains it beautifully that there's angels like the air between us is not empty. There's angels in this room. Like I've been seeing flashes of light as you were setting up and as we're talking, 
Um, some lady came into my studio once and she stopped at the door with eyes wide open and she's like, there's angels in here. <laughs> and I'm like, I know. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> and she was like, no, you don't understand. Like, there's no room to stand in there. <laughs> and I'm like, Come in, sit down <laughs> and let's talk. Yeah. So they're always around. But we have to kind of we have to call on them for more of them to come and assist us because they're they are towing this line of should I should I tell this guy what to do? Should I just nudge him in the right direction? I saw this beautiful meme on Instagram. I'm no longer on, on Facebook or Instagram as of January, but um there was this beautiful meme of it just was it captured like the legs of either a woman or a young girl walking and it was more focused on the feet Mm -hmm. and like when you're walking you're you step up onto your toes and then you take your next step and so under the heel of one of the feet of this girl walking was this little angel like (laughs) holding up her heel and pushing her forward and i thought that was such a beautiful explanation Mm -hmm. as to how angels assist us Mm -hmm. because it's kind of like they're on the path with us but they're trying their best not to necessarily make their presence known so that you think that you're still doing it on your own. Mm-hmm. But I think these days it, it, we're, we're encouraged to get in touch with them, acknowledge them, and move forward much more quickly. Mm-hmm. So they're here. It's, what I tell my clients is, like for me, they were my cheat sheet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they got me through so many struggles. And as I started to walk this path and read more and more about angels and angelic activity, I was given two memories back. And actually, it was it was a time when I was questioning my faith in everything. I was born and raised Catholic. I'm no longer anything. I have Jesus tattooed on my arm, but um, I'm not of any organized anything anymore. Um, but I remember I I watched this documentary Zeitgeist, and it mm-hmm. made me question everything yeah. that I believed. And I remember for three weeks, like my life was falling apart, thinking that Jesus wasn't real, and like all this. And I thought I'd been brainwashed as a kid, and yada yada. And I yeah. go to my grandmother, like crying my eyes out. My world is collapsing. I can still feel the energy of it. <sighs> my world is like collapsing, and I'm crying. And- full-on tears, like having, sobbing in front of my grandmother saying, was Jesus real? Was I brainwashed as a kid? Da, 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 like reciting everything Zeitgeist was saying. And she was like, shh, none of that matters. What do you believe? What do you believe, Kevin? And at that moment, that very instant, I was given two memories back. And those two memories are of my two first, the first two angel visits that I had and they were in times of need or times of struggle. But they came back instantly of when I was in the hospital and when I was in a head-on collision in high school. Mm-hmm. And then a voice came right after those memories came back. It was like, shoo, shoo, both the memories and then a voice said, yeah, what do you believe? Mm. And at that moment, God, it's still emotional. Yeah. Um, at that moment, I decided I'm, I'm not going to believe anything anyone tells me anymore. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't fully worked out, but that was my decision <laughs> at that point was like, I'm just going to believe me. Yeah. I'm just going to believe me and my experiences. And that will be my truth before I knew what the, my truth you know, really meant. But that, that became the start of my truth. And that's how I got my angel memories back. And, and that kind of solidified my path and my belief and my faith in God and the angels, not being any part of any organized anything, religion or otherwise. 
um, and I had a ton of assistance, even after disavowing the church. <laughs> like, I separated myself as far as I could from the church, and I said, the Bible's bullshit and all this stuff, but still, God was helping me every step of the way. It was like you couldn't, you couldn't stop the presence. Period. You can't. <laughs> That's great. You can't stop the. Well, the, the, the God, the the God that we're speaking of, and these angels that we're speaking of, they're not, I imagine, limited to the Judeo, no, Judeo Christian yeah, understanding of what that means. So, sure. you know, uh, one of the teachings that I, I really enjoy is the the Vedic scripture that says, "Truth is one." Sages mm. call it variously. Right. You can have a direct so experience beautiful. of that truth, but as soon as I start talking about it and filtering it through this through human ego, mind, exactly. it's going to come out in different ways uh, that are that is not the truth it's slightly separated from the truth because words are just symbols and it's so funny that's that's what i would hear and i would hear mm. like that everybody is trying to they're trying to distill information that they feel through words mm -hmm. and it just doesn't it doesn't work mm -hmm. it doesn't work it's something that you have to feel on your own mm -hmm. yeah but you are also hearing things. You're having clear, clear audience with uh, this communication. Is that yeah. what I understand? So and I you thought, say in one of your videos. So uh, sorry, uh, you're, yeah. you have a, a series of videos uh, to to tap into your intuition. And one of the things that you that you said that really stuck with me is uh, listen for the whisper. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I've been having. Um, I'm so glad you brought that up. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> like so. I yeah. I that's one of the big things about intuition that I'm super curious about. Which voice do I listen to? <laughs> All of them. You know, because like, you have a gut biome that's telling you to go have another scoop of ice cream. <laughs> don't listen to that one, right? <laughs> and then I'm having, like, you know, whatever other desires I have. And, oh, that's beautiful. But I've noticed there is this other, this whisper, and it's not always particularly helpful. Like, sometimes I'll be watching a movie, and it'll whisper the thing that is about to be said. Yes. <laughs> like, there's no actual practical application for this. Uh, this whole last week, I don't, I don't know what the synchronicities are, but um, I've, I continuously, like if there's uh, something on in the background, I will read a word as I'm hearing it said aloud. Yeah. And that's something that's happened before in the, for me, but this last week, it's just been super dense. On fire. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, okay, that, like, you can start to, I can start to hear what that whisper is like when mm -hmm. it's coming in consistent ways that I'm able to tell that there's different than a thought it's a precognitive thought or a whisper from something else um what other ways do you distinguish the voices and the intuition so i'm glad you brought thoughts? i'm glad you brought that up because that's the key right mm. there is distinguishing between thought and intuition mm. so intuition happens when you're not having any thoughts <laughs> and I know that's a challenge for most people, but through the practice of meditation and other practices, whether, you know, breathwork meditation or moving meditation or silent meditation, whatever, you can get your brain to a state of silence so that pretty much everything you're hearing is, is coming through from another source. So, um, what I would say, so there's a couple of things I'd like to say. So when I talk to my clients, most of them are kind of, they're facing a trouble or some kind of a challenge. So I tell them to listen for the whisper. So they're not worried about uh, being whispered something while they're watching a program and getting kind of that precognition of what's happening. And that's just you tapping into the larger aspects of everything. So that's a really good sign that it's been happening for a week consistently. <laughs> that just means that your energy is raising to a new level where you're getting more connected to everything which is beautiful. We can talk more about that later. But when it comes to people who are looking for help or looking for guidance, there are 
there's there's two voices is what I like to describe to people. And I always say listen to the whisper because the louder voice is usually your ego. It's the one that's been in charge. And this is it. There's there's two voices, in my opinion. There's the asshole, <laughs> which is your ego. It tells you everything that's going to go wrong, everything that can go wrong, why you're a piece of shit and why nothing's ever going to happen for you. And then there's the other one, the cheerleader, the one that is ready to step up whenever any of your friends or family are in trouble. Your cheerleader pops into your head and is like, I can help you. <laughs> this is all you have to do. And you start going on and on about all the positive aspects and ways to look at life or be in life, right? Mm-hmm. So we all have those two voices inside of us. It's just that the asshole, the ego, tends to be a little bit louder. It's been in charge for a very long time. And if it feels like it's going to be taken out of charge or have to share the microphone, mm-hmm. it gets a little upset mm-hmm. <laughs> and it speaks a little bit louder. And the ego never really has anything loving to say. Okay, so for me, I would say listen to the whisper, the kind whisper, (laughs) the one that's telling you that you can do it. Mm -hmm. Everything is going to be okay. You just have to be patient. Just sit still. All those things that, you know, your mother would say or your father would say (laughs) if you had a loving mother or father or father figure or mother figure. Um, So I I do say listen to the whisper. And for those that, that don't even know what I'm talking about, I'll say, okay, you know, if it's a female client. Have you ever heard, oh, don't forget that thing. Put it in your purse before you leave today. Did you lock the door? Did you feed the cat? It's that whisper that you have to start to get a hold of so that you can start to listen to the subtler voices in your head. Mm. So it could be a thought and it could be your angel reminding you of something that you need to do. So have you ever had a situation where you're like, oh, grab that thing. Oh, I don't think, why am I staring at that thing? I don't need it today. And then you go on with your day and you're like, oh, why didn't I grab that thing? I knew, I knew, I knew. So it's that voice. And I guess the main point of this is to get in touch with your thoughts on a higher level from the witness seat Mm -hmm. so that you have a different awareness so that you are not your thoughts, but you're able to witness your thoughts. And from that space, you can start to differentiate between thought intuition and which voice you're hearing in your head mm-hmm. is it the asshole or is it the cheerleader yeah okay always listen for the cheerleader nice <laughs> so as you've continued to listen to the whisper has it gotten louder and yes it's just abundantly discernible like- thank you yes so it becomes much more discernible the issue i had with that is at some point i thought i was brilliant because mm. <laughs> i was getting all these thoughts in my head that were louder than my ego that were profound thoughts. And I didn't know where I was getting this information from until I realized, oh my God, this has been angelic information coming in this whole time. I've been collecting quotes for years, years that just come to me. And I, and I realized, oh my God, none of these were actually my thoughts. <laughs> but as I became more aware of the voice, I would hear them louder and louder. And I thought they were my own. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they talk about this again in Eastern philosophy, the siddhis or the powers that come with practice. As you get more in tune, you get the powers, but they are traps. <laughs> yes. And, you know, people get really caught up in identifying with the ability to do these things. Enter the spiritual ego. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so spiritual materialism is yeah. real. Yeah. Totally. So was it the, the memory of these first two angelic experiences that helped you to kind of Realize that maybe you didn't have so much uh, authority and agency over these thoughts? Not right, not immediately, but I knew that there was somebody else or something else that was right there when I needed it. 
So in that moment where I was losing it, literally bawling my eyes out in front of my grandmother, I mean, that voice was there. It was right there. And it gave me memories back that I didn't need to hold on to myself. I mean, think about it. You don't need to remember anything. You don't need to waste your energy and brain space trying to remember things. Unless you're in school and you have to take a test. That's a whole different Mm -hmm. story. But even then... It's that that balance of surrender and action, right? So that's that's what I'm finding out in my life when... I'm not dwelling on the thoughts and the knowledge and the knowing and the information and the keeping track of it all. And I'm just present. Everything's fine. Yeah. But when I'm keeping it all together and I you got to pay the bills and I have when to... your human comes back. Yeah, in. you have yeah. to... Yeah, I'm in this body. I need to take care of it. Yes. And I need to maintain my responsibilities. And so, yeah. you know, the knowledge and the data and setting alarms is really helpful. But, but when, I'll tell when, you, when that stuff's done, like I don't, I don't need it when I go for a walk with my dog. But even the alarms, I'm sure you've noticed this on a day that maybe you didn't set your alarm. You just had an intention to wake up at a certain time and you wake up out of nowhere and oh, you're yeah. like, oh, geez, what time is it? You go check the time and you're like, oh my God, that's exactly the time I wanted to wake up. So we have an internal alarm. Oh, yeah. We have an internal. So like I go to the gym often, you know, not seven days a week like I used to, but I'm in there four or five days a week and I have no prescription for what I'm going to do on any given day. I'm going to do some form of cardio. I'm going to do some form of resistance training, but I've given up the list. I'm not trying to build my body in a specific way. I'm trying to maintain and keep my body fit. Mm -hmm. So I walk into the gym. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I let my body speak to me. I'm like, hey, what do you want to do today? Nice. Shoulders. Really? Just shoulders? (laughs) That's it? Shoulders. And I'll be like, all right, we're going to do a shoulder workout. And it's a half hour, you know, in the gym. and I'm, I'm feeling complete. I don't feel like I'm missing anything. It's my body told me what it wanted to do today. I love that. You know? And it's, yeah, that's, it's that's what my yoga practice has really done for me. It allowed me to bring this like heady sure. practice into my body and yeah. check in with myself. It's allowed for the conversation to happen with myself, yes. which that alone right there is the, the start of it. And then yeah. you can develop the listening once the conversation is at least open sure. to be had. <laughs> yes, for yeah, sure. but until I started, like it wasn't even, it wasn't even available. <laughs> yeah. I just love that we're doing this, by the yeah. way. I, I, I could do this literally all day, but yeah, I, I, I mean, love that we're sitting talking. So that's, this. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I, I have this podcast. Like, I'm like, it's, it's a manifestation of what do I enjoy doing? You know, so many, yeah. I, I, t- I do these, these, um, these, these classes uh, for like spiritual development and uh, how to learn to be self-taught and look into things yourself from a variety of non-dual perspectives. Mm-hmm. And I'm the youngest person in the group. So often people are asking me, well, what? But the oldest soul. Uh, maybe. We'll see. I don't know. We'll, we'll see when we, when we meet in the afterlife and we can have that conversation. But, uh, but people are always asking me, hey, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I just do I like doing this. I just like talking about all this cool stuff. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. You know, I did go back to school and, um, you know, it's, that is more of an opportunity to, to be engaged and to practice. It's not about accumulating information or about right. accumulating the diploma. It's given me a place to, you know, find my voice and and yeah, just like own my skills and figure out figure out what it is that I want to do and how I want to be in the world. Sure. Um, but I commend you on that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's been fun. It's definitely it's given me a lot to reflect on. All this, all the different, many different things we see, I see in in the world. It's always it's always a reflection of of me, and so. Putting myself in this new environment is, is brought up a lot of new things for me to look at internally. So there's been a huge amount of growth. And, awesome. I'm, and I'm coming up on this big shift. You know, I, I somehow for all my life, I've been waiting for 2020. 
I just <laughs> I love I that. Thought it was because like two was my lucky number as a kid. <laughs> Me too. People like the repeating things. Twenty two. <laughs> so first, I've just always had this feeling like twenty twenty is going to be something big, and then now coincidentally, I'm going to be graduating this June, which means that there's a transition in the works some way or another. Yeah. So I'm not sure if uh, I need to keep doing more training for this ensuing thing that's happening. I've got. I've always felt like something big was going to happen. And I did some Vedic astrology mm-hmm. that gave me some very specific dates about things that had happened in the past. And I think Vedic is the is the way to go for astrology. By yeah, the way. Jyotisha. Side note. Yeah, Side note. Jyotisha. <laughs> it's you know I found it to be insanely more specific yes. than uh, the Western astrology. Yeah. Um, yes. And yeah, so they gave me some dates about some medical things that had happened, some very very specific things from my past. <laughs> so when they said in the future you're going to have this big thing to work on, but you're going to have to overcome a massive challenge to achieve it. Yeah, I'm like, oh shit! All right, <laughs> so go. now I'm in the training ground. So when I quit drinking. About eight years ago, that was like a, a, a rebirthing, I felt like. And so it's the birthing of my choice. Right. So now I'm going to choose how I want to be in the world. You know, I don't have uh, the influences of parents projecting onto me all of their lives. I get to be who I want to be now. And so I felt like, you know, it took me that first year of sobriety to get my footing. And then I quit all my jobs and went to a retreat center to go focus on truth and being yeah. and did meditation and yoga. And I remember you telling me about that. It's, yeah. been, it's been blossoming every year more and more, more beautiful, more beautiful. And so, yeah, so 2020 is coming up and I'm finishing this chapter of my life. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know, like, if I got to do a little more training and owning the skills or if I'm ready to dive in on whatever this big project might so be. So I'll but tell you exciting. what I'm hearing right now. Oh, sure. This is just coming in is that everything is doing itself right now. Mm. There's nothing more for you to do. It's just you're in process. And I'm hearing this is what this last week has been about for you. You're getting tuned up for this. Mm. So I would look forward to all of your gifts starting to increase now. 2020 is also kind of a magical year in, in, in many respects, but think about it. Hindsight is 2020. We have these cliches for a reason, and most of them are true, mm-hmm. right? The deeper you go into spirituality and into self, you'll, you'll figure out that a lot of these, these old cliches are actually true, like follow your heart and other things. But 2020 is going to be a big year for everybody, I feel, mm-hmm. but it's one about introspection and hindsight as well. But if you're feeling like this is going to be a big year for you, regardless of whether a Vedic astrologer said or not, like it's going to be a big year because there is something inside of you that's telling you that. Mm -hmm. And that's the intelligence inside of you that all of us should be listening to. And we don't need to talk to other people about it. For those of you listening, like if you have an inner intelligence about something, you don't need to share that with people. You just need to know that for yourself and you can keep track of that yourself. We always want to share these amazing things that happen to ourselves, like what we're doing now on this show. But a lot of this stuff, you know, I had to keep to myself. I'm sure in your early journey, you had to keep a lot of stuff to yourself because people are going to think you're crazy with all the stuff that's going on inside of you mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. But what I'm getting is that there's a, there's something big coming for you. I don't know if it's 2020, but it's like... Yeah, I think it's a little further, 2020. So what I'm hearing right now is like you're in your heart, mm. which is, that is tantamount. That is, that is, that is where one needs to be for their, for their path to be actuated in kind of, excuse the nomenclature, but best way. Okay, highest way is what I'm hearing right now. Excuse the, the that's what happens when the information's coming <laughs> in. Sorry. I get these weird, I used to get the chills on my arms. Now I get them up my spine. Oh, wow. So... 
Um, I think it was because I got upset and I was like, enough of the chills on my arms. <laughs> and then I heard laughter in my head. And then from that day on, I would get chills like up my spine. And if I ever get chills on my arms, it's not just my arms, it's my whole body. Mm. Like my shins, my toes. Like if you ever had chills on your toes before, it's an interesting sensation. Wow. But that's when really, really, really big information comes through, like a huge truth for a client or something. And I'll feel it. And sometimes it'll even bring me to tears. But anyways... This is what's coming through for you is like, there's nothing more that you need to do. Just keep following your heart. Like your heart is why I can feel a warmth right now behind my chest. So like I can, I can literally feel your heart. Wow. And it's, it's big. Like I feel like I want to cry right now. So you just got to keep doing what you're doing and everything is going to open up. Like you, um, I'm being reminded of, uh, okay. You know that, that Taoist saying, um, you get things done by doing nothing at all. Mm. Like there's nothing more for you to do, Anthony. <laughs> like you're doing it already. You don't need to do anything more than you're doing or else it would have been presented to you already. And so that's when big, it comes... That's one of the big questions. Like, yeah, is it already yeah. in its process or is is there something I still have to figure out? And it's, yeah, that's something I've been feeling like just being in the in the Now I'm in getting the, the chills all yeah. the way down to my toes. So wow. <laughs> yeah, I'll just tell you that there's nothing for you to do. Like the doing is being done, if that makes sense. So like, mm -hmm. you know, we get caught up in the doing of things. And yes, the human side, we need to, we need to do things to live in this third dimension. We got to pay bills. We got to feed ourselves. We got to do things. But when the mind starts thinking about what we have to do in order to, to get ourselves from point A to point B on a spiritual level, it doesn't work. It's that once removed from the truth already. Yes. You're filtering the heart through the mind. Through the mind. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So in all of these intellectual pursuits I'm doing in school, it's that constant reminder of just like indulging the be yeah. of all of it. Be the information you're, you're consuming. Mm. I heard assuming. So you're absorbing it. Mm. Just absorb it. You don't need to remember it for anything. Because once you touch that information, it's, it's yours. It activates from within you. Because again, mm. like everything we need is inside of us. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that a little bit. Uh, maybe mm. it, it might sound like a little bit of a skeptical question, but sure. it, it's coming from an, an hey, honest skepticism place. Is, skepticism, <laughs> I just want to say this for anyone who's listening. Like, skepticism is great. I was highly, maybe a little too skeptical when I first started on my path, but skepticism is great because it, it, it means that you don't believe, but you don't disbelieve either. So yeah. you're you're in this nice open place, which I think... Every scientist and every researcher should always be skeptical, but healthily skeptical. Yeah. Don't deny or negate anything. Search. Mm -hmm. Keep searching. Keep discovering. Keep experimenting. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think that's yeah. important for people to hear, too, that, that even as a practitioner, that you appreciate and encourage the, the healthy skepticism. Yeah. It's crucial. I'm still skeptical <laughs> about so many things that happen. And then my clients will tell me things that I'm seeing happen for them. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. That really happened. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's, it's such an amazing universe that we're in, just completely awe-inspiring. Totally. Um, so my question is, I guess, on the vein of non-duality, you've mentioned a couple times now, you know, everything you have is inside of you, but we're also talking about reaching out and asking for divine assistance from mm -hmm. angels. Mm -hmm. So with the, with, I guess I have to use other people's verbiage because sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to find my own, but I guess like the non-dual understanding is that, you know, the all of existence is consciousness, loving awareness and we, you know, we are but a contracted aperture of that experiencing itself. You know, I, you know, I've been working with deities, um, but when I 
pay homage and reverence to a deity, I acknowledge that I'm not worshiping anything outside of myself necessarily, but qualities that are intrinsic. And I'm working with these to encourage them to grow and develop and whatnot. But I, you know, there's no mistake that I'm worshiping something outside of myself. Mm -hmm. So I, I, it makes me wonder about this communication with angels and whatnot and with, with other beings. And if they are other aspects of myself, what is the best way to address something that is also me? You know, <laughs> I'm talking to you, but I can talk to you as if you're me and it will create a different understanding and a dynamic. And a, I don't know. So I, I don't know if that makes you think of anything, but the non-dual understanding of consciousness being all that is versus the idea of working dualistically with another being. Right. So I guess what's coming through for that answer is that even the things that are outside of you are inside of you. Mm-hmm. So it's the human way of saying this is outside of me because we have an ego and we have a point of reference. Mm-hmm. But even even like you are inside of me. Are we talking about the I am that is all? Because <laughs> if I, I you know, know if, if I want to talk about like who I truly am, the, the I am is not limited to this body. I am. It's not limited to the, anything. The body I of mean, the universe. So how do we experience our world? Sadhguru will will talk about. He's he's a gentleman. He's a guru um, on YouTube, on everywhere actually <laughs> nowadays. Um, who talks about how we experience everything in our world inside of our own bodies? Anything on the external world is captured by the senses and then reports back to the spine Mm -hmm. and then we make sense of it so everything really is happening on the inside now he uses the example of the eyes yeah the eyes pull in information and then project out yeah so what is it that we're experiencing on the outside of ourselves nothing we're just collecting the data and reinterpreting it internally yeah i don't know for sure but i know that i want to believe I want to believe that everything outside of me is me too. I'm just not, I'm not there yet because I'm still in the mind. Mm-hmm. But I do a lot of listening to Paramahansa Yogananda and yeah. others. Self-realization, if you can get to that place, then you realize what's really happening. But okay. the self that we're realizing in that context isn't the small S the self. It's self. the big S self. Correct. Which the Atman is the Brahman. The individual soul right. is the greater soul. Yeah. But then you can dance, <laughs> but then you can dance in and around and through that as the little self. Yeah. So play, once, play in the forms yes, of the formless. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the divine Leela. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I love that we have different nomenclature. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why I was, one of the other things that came to mind when we started talking about angels. I'm like, well, that's, you know, that's one word that is used for it, but there's descriptions oh, so of many. divine I've beings. Never, so I've never seen wings on an angel. I've mm-hmm. seen plenty of angels and they've never had wings. They do appear and disappear out of nowhere, <laughs> but I've never seen them have wings. And when you, you need, do. You only need w- wings to fly on earth you know right right exactly (laughs) (laughs) i think they show up with wings for specific people because they expect them to have wings um but even human beings we have wing structures in our energy structure as well Mm. so we have wings as humans and we won't get into that on this podcast but (laughs) what i will say is this the word angel means messenger Mm. Okay. Messenger from whom is the question these days, whose God is real, whose God is the real God. It's a messenger from the divine. Whatever God that you talk to, 
It could be a master. It could be an angel. It could be a deceased loved one. Like our loved ones turn into angels and guides. You know, angels. So what I'm hearing, like this, I'm being reminded of what Lorna Byrne was saying. And, and I, I do use her as a, as a resource and a reference because of her immense ability to connect since she was four. And she said that the angels told her to refer to them as creatures of God, meaning they were created by God. So there are angels that have specific functions that were never human. They are angels. They are manifestations of energy. Mm-hmm. And that's how they're kind of ubiquitous and omnipotent and omniscient. Mm-hmm. They can just show up and disappear out of nowhere. And it's happened multiple times in my life. So, And I've never seen wings. So... I think wings are just, I guess, I remember in my studies that people associated wings with angels because these beings tended to hover above the ground Uh. or they tended to move really quickly. And back then, the best that people could do to describe them is give them like bird-like qualities. Yeah. Because what else floats, you know? Naturally. The human mind has a tendency to make those connections, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I wanted to to say two things about that. Um, Sure. I've heard it say that uh, God shows up to each how they each need to see, and so uh, one of uh, one of the administrators uh, at my school is a mythologist, and uh, he, uh, he talks about how the visions from different traditions you'll see the things from so funny. from your your culture, and so we have a lot of men in black visions these days. People mm-hmm. from from Western culture see, they visualize men in black speaking to them yeah. as opposed to angels or Krishna or. <laughs> Different things. Is so, something coming through? <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that because just today I was doing a distance healing session this morning. Remember I said it was a busy morning this yeah. morning. I thought I was just going to be lazing around before you came. Um, but I had to sit in kind of an emergency session for somebody who has cancer. And as I was praying, because I do pray, you know, not, not because I'm of any particular religion, but praying to me is just communicating. So um, oftentimes in gratitude or you know, just praying for the things that I'm looking to have happen for a client. So I was praying to the Virgin Mother, right? I don't know if she's a virgin or not. I call her the Virgin just because that's how she's referred to. But I said, in all of your manifestations, as the Mother of Guadalupe, as the Black Madonna, as the, you know, in all the ways the Divine Feminine has shown up, I call upon you. And it's like, I, this morning, I was, I was brought to a place of recognition, like, honor all of them because they're all the same energy no matter how they show up physically to appeal to you on a physical level yes god is black god is also a woman god is a black woman yeah she's also asian (laughs) she's also like islander she's also like she's everything she's russian she's everything you know it's that divine mother it's the sophia if you look at greek you know mythology or Mm -hmm. um their history so it it really doesn't you're 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 connecting with the aspect whether it's the masculine aspect or the feminine aspect again we come back to this duality because god is not one or the other god is yeah so yeah i guess that goes speaks to the next thing i wanted to say Uh, you said uh (laughs) you said um the beings told uh said that we are creatures of god call us this um, so I, I guess I just have to ask. Maybe it, maybe it sounds a little sarcastic, but uh, is anything okay. is anything have a not a creature of God? <laughs> yes. Is there anything that is not God? So the angels don't have a piece of God in them. The angels. What does that mean? So they are created by God, not in the image and likeness. Okay. So 
when humans were created, we have a divine spark within each of us. So science has actually seen this recently. They've discovered that when the sperm enters the egg... Oh, the, the flash of light? The flash of light, yeah. correct, seen on the that. inside of seen the egg. That. That's, boom, soul dropping in. Mm. Okay? That's the divine spark. That's the... I remember when I did That's my That's a dangerous first, thing to say, though, about, you know, considering the abortion conversations we were having in the, in the public sphere. <laughs> I know. And again, it comes down to choice. God's not judging... Yeah. I mean, everybody's got to do what they feel like they have to do for their journey. And I don't, I don't hold judgment either way. I know that there's plenty of people that can't have kids. And I know the burden. It's a nine-month you know, process. And it's not easy carrying a kid. I don't have an opinion either way. But what I will say is this. We all have a divine spark within us. Mm-hmm. That divine spark is not judging us either. So whether you want to keep it, not keep it, Energy can neither be created nor destroyed, in my opinion. So you're not really destroying anything, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Just sublimates to another. And moral account. issues become issues of judgment, become yeah. issues of perception and perspective, totally. which has to do with the ego, which, I mean, I understand. We don't want a bunch of aborted fetuses on the streets. Like, that's not, that's not a pretty picture to paint. But people have to do what, what they have to do, you know? But we have a divine spark within us. Angels do not have that, apparently. Um, even though you know human beings, when they cross over again, they can become angel-like. The angels that have been created by God, the creatures of God, do not have that divine spark within them. And I'll tell you, before I knew anything about a divine spark, <laughs> I did my first ayahuasca journey years ago. And... <sighs> I won't share with what my guides told me, but um, what happened during the journey was interesting. Everybody was going back for a second dose, and I felt like I had all the answers to the universe, and I was good, I'm ready to go home, and now I'm seeing everybody <laughs> in a whole new level and a whole new energy, and I'm like, wow, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. And one of my friends passes me, and she's like, did you get your second dose? And I'm like, the what? <laughs> I'm feeling very sober at this point. I'm feeling very fulfilled, very connected to everything. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't really need a second dose, but am I going to sit here for another six hours and like <laughs> everyone's tripping balls and I'm just going to be watching them? All right, I'll go back for my second dose. So I went back for my second dose. And then what happened next was very um, different, <laughs> I will say. And I remember walking, t- I remember needing and wanting to throw up. Mm-hmm. And to purge, because that's what everyone was doing, and I thought this was part of the process, and everything that I read beforehand was like, this is what you have to do. Mm -hmm. And so I go outside. I didn't have a bucket near me. I wasn't really following all the rules of staying in the group, and And I was outside and just appreciating nature and the beauty of nature and looking at the stars, and, and all of a sudden, that second dose hits me, and I felt like... I gotta like I gotta purge. Something's gotta come out. This has gotta this has gotta come out. And I started feeling so empty. So I walk over to the grass area and it's nighttime and I walk over to the grass and I just collapse to my knees. Like I lost every ounce of energy in me and a friend comes running over, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin and all I could do was put up my finger, like, hold on. Cause I couldn't even say a word. And in my inner being I was trying to find the word God. Mm. (laughs) I was trying to find, I was struggling to find an angel's name. I could not connect to anything cerebral. But I saw this like, you know when a lighter runs out of fluid and you're just like, and you're just grinding that stone and you're seeing that that spark? 
I saw it inside of me. My whole inner being was dark. I don't want to say black, but it was just, there was no light except for this spark Hmm. that I kept seeing spark. And I heard a voice in my head very clearly say, you will not purge. You will transmute this energy and you will grow your light. Uh, And at that moment, I'm getting chills just, (laughs) just sharing it. At that moment, I had to focus all my attention and all my energy on that spark mm-hmm. in the middle of my... It was right in the center of my body until that spark became a light. And then that light filled my whole body. And as soon as that light filled my whole body, I was able to stand up again. And I did not purge. And the idea of even purging did not even occur to me. I transmuted wow. the energy that was coming through that was telling me to purge. By focusing on the light. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about that transmuting. I'm going to share what so I thought I wasn't going to share because I'm being told to. I'm being told to share this right now. So ayahuasca is becoming very, very popular. Mm-hmm. It's becoming faddish. Yeah, and I believe there is a danger to this. Okay, because if space is not prepared properly, if space is not being held properly, this can be dangerous because you're opening up your aura to many, many energies. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that I had heard. When I had started my journey, I left the group because I was starting to feel everyone else's energy. And I'm like, this is gross. I'm going in the other room. (laughs) And I brought my selenite crystal with me. And I was just twirling my selenite crystal in in between my fingers and just twirling it around. And I heard very clearly as somebody was running past me to go outside and throw up with their bucket. This is entirely unnecessary. But everybody will get what they asked for. Mm. So if you're coming to clear fears, you're going to face them. Yeah. If you're coming to experience something divine, you're going to get that. But I was also told very clearly that this is unnecessary. And when I shared that (laughs) the next morning, it was not received too well. Because most of these people have taken 30, 40, 100 journeys. But I'm telling you right now, everything is inside of us. Yeah. So if you're taking something outside of yourself to reach the inside... You're taking the long route. Well, that's the classic journey that happened in the 60s with Ram Dass, right? Like, he was a psychotherapist using psychedelics and kept getting high and coming down, getting high and coming down. He took it to India to figure out what it was and discovered spirituality and realized... Well, the Maharishi took all of his tabs and swallowed them at the same time. (laughs) And Ram Dass was upset for a second, but then just sat there and was like, all right, let's see what's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. Waits 45 minutes or so, and, and the Maharishi says, don't you understand? What you're, the place you're trying to get with these objects, I'm already there. Yeah. And so those multiple tabs of acid affected him not, not yeah. one bit. Yeah. I love what he said. Uh, it, it lets you sit in the room with Christ, but you yeah. can't stay. You can't stay. <laughs> you just get to touch it. <laughs> yeah. So you're better off instead yeah. of, you know, forgive me for saying this, but instead of taking the plant journey mm-hmm. consistently so many times, focus on being internal. Mm-hmm. Focus on the deepest parts of you. And you'll find, like, when that door opens, shit, man, <laughs> you've got access to everything. Yeah. And you don't need to take anything exogenous. As a matter of fact, DMT is the main constituent of mm-hmm. ayahuasca. Yep all respect to the plant and the energy the plant comes from, but we have DMT. Yeah, we produce it endogenously. Endogenously. Yeah. 
So we don't need it exogenously. We we have it inside of us, and this is one of the reasons I'm doing the breath work now. Yeah, that's what I, thought, I thought we were going to go there. Yeah, because I I've tried DMT. I haven't done ayahuasca. I tried it in in freebase form, which only lasts ten or fifteen minutes. Right, I was there too. Um, and yeah, I guess uh, so. I, I experienced some very similar phenomenon with my hearing. Uh, with my vision when I do really intense breath work. <laughs> yes. Uh, before we move on to the breath work, and it though, lasts I just, longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's impacting, and then yeah. yeah, and when I do breath work consistently, I start to feel deep seated emotions coming to the surface, which uh, I so, sometimes I, I I then stop doing the breath work because I don't want to process that stuff. It's nice to have a sitter. Yeah, yeah. just like if you're gonna smoke DMT, it's nice to have a sitter with you. But that experience was amazing. And we'll go into the breath work in a second. But that experience was amazing. Mm-hmm. And it was like a rocket ship straight up to somewhere. I remember grabbing the couch that yep. I was sitting on going, oh, <laughs> like, I don't want to go for yeah, this ride. They call it blast off for a reason. Yeah. And it's so true. Because this is one thing I did not read about before I did it. I just trusted the guy that, that brought it and sat with me. And so when I did it, I remember like <laughs> grabbing yep. the arms of the couch and the seat of the couch because I thought I was being catapulted into the, the heavens. You were. <laughs> and, and you know what happened? So I thought I was going to get this like amazing experience. I felt like somebody whispered the secrets of the universe to me, and I laughed for the entire 10 minutes. Nice. The most guttural, deepest laugh like you could ever imagine. And I came out of it, and he said, so how was it? And I go, dude. It's all a joke. This whole thing's a the joke. The big cosmic joke, yeah. This is a big joke, and we're the punchline. And this is before I was studying Paramahansa when he's uh, talking about the same thing. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, they told, they whispered the funniest joke to me. And it was that life is a joke, but we're taking it seriously. Yeah. And if we can just step back from it, be the witness of it instead of get involved in it, that we'll realize it. And we can step out of this nightmare. We can laugh too. <laughs> we can laugh about it and change it instantly if we wish mm-hmm. at that point. Because yeah. now we're at a different level. We're looking at it from a different state of consciousness, different state of being. Mm-hmm. So it was, that, that trip was a very, it was the first and last time I did it, but I was like, dude, how many times do I need to hear that life is a joke? Yeah. <laughs> it's a I joke. Love, that's such a, I mean, that's, Even that's though very answer. serious <laughs> things happen, you guys, I know that you guys that are listening, there's probably a lot of serious things that have happened in your life, but in my life too losing my vision at 13 and a bunch of other things in one eye um, and a bunch of different things. Like, I get it. Life can be serious. But at the same time, it's, it's a play. Shakespeare had it right. <laughs> Life is <laughs> but a stage, stage yeah. and we are merely actors, you mm-hmm. know? So if you want to see what this life is really about, de-roll yourself. Step out of your character. Mm-hmm. Step out of the ego. Step out of Kevin. Step out of Anthony. And you'll see the reality. I'm not there yet, but I'm I'm touching it. One of the practices in Tibetan Buddhism, you do a lot of visualization. And so you visualize the deity and you start to visualize yourself. Ultimately, you get to the point where you visualize yourself at the deity. And one of the things that does is help you realize that your own ego is a construct. And if you can build yourself up to be this other thing, you realize, oh, I've been building myself up the whole time. I can build and deconstruct as much or as little as I want and you can you get the behind the scenes look everything at it. is a construct that's totally. why it's a joke we keep yeah. going to our minds to make like i remember asking a very high healer i know that we're here on earth on purpose but do we really have a purpose or is that something the ego is making up 
to bide time and to have an experience while we're here? And he said, that's the best question you've asked. Because he doesn't like me to ask questions. Because uh. <laughs> again, it engages the mind, right? Puts you back in the mind. He wants to keep you in the heart. Yeah. And so he said, that's the best question you've... And I've asked him questions for a year. Mm. <laughs> he said, that's the best question you've asked. And it's going to take a little over an hour to answer that. But I will say this. And he said that the mind does whatever it needs to do to make itself and its world feel important. Mm-hmm. So even when I was asking God for my purpose, yeah, this is my purpose, whatever that is. But there's a bigger purpose why I'm here, which I don't think I'll know until I leave here. I don't mm. think any of us will know until we leave here. But how do we want to experience this world while we're here? It's your choice. This is a choose-your-own-adventure book. And for all you youngins out there that don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> they made a new choose-your-own-adventure movie when, Did on, they? on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. Black, Black Mirror, the, the new like, sci-fi show. They made I, a, I haven't. Yeah. They made a, a movie version of it. Yeah, it's, wow, it's, it's, it's all right. Awesome. You know, of course, I watched it because I read all the choose-your-own-adventure books. I mean, books, the but, books were all right, too. Yeah. But, it was like, you know? <laughs> but it gave but, you a, a little uh, uh, the sense of agency, a little yes, bit more. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So the other question I wanted to ask about uh, dimethyltryptamine and ayahuasca and and visionary spaces. Um, Well, well, before the breathwork thing is, I guess, um, so a lot of times uh, the shamans in South America and Central America, when they're they're in their journeys, they will have visions of and speak to or hear from beings who might give them instructions like, go find this plant in the jungle to heal this particular thing. And it's always spot on. Yeah. there's this really good book by uh, Jeremy Narby, the, the Cosmic Serpent, where they they have their drawings of the Cosmic Serpent. This water snake is uh, DNA, like yeah. hands down, uh, the different parts of it, the way they describe it. Scientists like, oh yeah, that's exactly how you describe DNA. It's like so they through their visions, they they understand DNA. <laughs> it's like amazing. So I guess my question is, um, if you have any insight into the beings that are being communicated with in DMT space. Because right now somebody's trying to build a, like a, an, uh, there is no a, DMT a machine. Space. There is no DMT space. That's the short answer. <laughs> there is no DMT space. It's just the spaces within you. Again, it's just it's just how do you want to experience this? So that's why I don't want to you know downplay the role of ayahuasca and things like that. And I'm saying it's unnecessary because my guides told me that it's unnecessary. It may be necessary for you, and it was definitely necessary for those people. Because they wouldn't have been told otherwise. Mm-hmm. How do you find the vine of one, you know, one plant and the leaf of another, and know how to how to put them together to create this brew? There's no scientists back then. So yes, some being came down and said, "This is what you need to do if you want to commune with us easily." Maybe they weren't meant to meditate. Maybe they weren't meant to do stillness. But at different time periods, you know, throughout. Throughout evolution, there were different methods to get to different places. And now we're at a space where we need to rely on what's inside of us. Mm-hmm. Because even the DMT can be found outside, but it's also within us. Yeah, It's also within us. So I think that's why. And I didn't know the DMT was within me when I heard that, that mm. this was entirely unnecessary. When I heard that voice say that to me. No judgment. There's no judgment. Obviously, some divine being or some divine aspect of those beings in Peru or in the jungle needed that. But those plants and those vines do not grow here. Okay. So maybe they were necessary for those people's evolution. Mm -hmm. But now they're sharing it with us. Great. Let's not take it too far. 
Yeah. Let's realize that it's all within us. And like Ram Das was saying, you can you can commune, but then you got to go home. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can go and touch it. But once you touch it, you're back. You're back in your body. You're back home. Mm-hmm. Like have the human experience. Develop your humanity to the fullest. So if we do have these substances within us, let's learn how to release them from within. Let's not rely on anything outside of us. Totally. You know? Yeah. I love it. All right, so let's get to the breath work. So, you, yeah. What, what, uh, so I, yeah, I have I've had some profound experiences with, with breath work. I, I did a, a breath work session with uh, one of my other guests before we, we did the podcast. Oh, that was awesome. kind of fun. Yeah, we did a little fifteen minute <laughs> session. Yeah, <laughs> get things going. Uh, it was a little That's intense. Great. It was good. Yeah. So I, I think you you said to me before we started uh, recording that you've been focusing more doing uh, facilitating breath work. Yeah. Um, why don't you talk about that a little bit? How's that been going for you? So uh, really well. Really, really well, um, because it's one of the best ways to open up people's energy, especially if they're skeptical. That means, you know, if they're overly skeptical or overly analytical, the breath helps to get out of your mind, helps activate the parasympathetic nervous system, take you out of fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So it puts you in the real consciousness. But years ago, about three or four years ago, uh, when business was really going well, <laughs> and it's going amazing now, but when it started to really, you know, start to make some some big um there were big movements happening a few years ago. I heard this intuition come through very strongly, and it said, your job is to make your job obsolete. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> what do you mean? This is what puts the bread on the table. Like, things are going well right now. What are we talking about? And it was like, you will start to empower your clients so that they don't need you. And I said, oh... I said, there's enough people that I can still be gainfully employed the rest of my life that need help, you know? And I'll guide as many people as I can back to themselves. Enter breath work, okay? Because I I wanted to teach Reiki because everyone said, oh, you're a teacher, you're a teacher, you're a leader, blah, 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 blah. I don't know if any of that's true. I know that I do what I'm told by Mm -hmm. spirit. So if spirit says teach these people, I will go teach them. And I always ask because people have asked me, will you be my teacher, will you be my teacher? And I'll check in. Because my human response is no. Yeah. <laughs> but then I have to check in and be like, am I supposed to teach this person? And they'll say, yes. This, these, these people, you can. This person, you can. And so I have taught people here and there. But the idea behind the breath work is teaching people that they have the ability to heal themselves. Mm-hmm. They won't need me. So even if somebody comes in for a Reiki session, I'll say, you know what? We're going to start with a little bit of breath work. And I'll take them through 10, 12, 15 minutes. Or if their energy is really going well, I'll take them through the full 30 and still do a Reiki session on them afterwards or energy healing afterwards. But at least they now go home with the tools. They don't need to come see. I always tell them, I'm here for you and we can always help you get to the next level. But that's when you're feeling stuck again. Then come in. If I keep popping in your head, then you're supposed to come see me. But this is not something prescriptive. I'm giving you the tools to move forward without me. You need to know that, that you have the power, period, end of story. So when I came across the breath work, it was so profound for me. Like I've been doing breath work for almost three years before I started leading my clients through it. Now it's been about a year. I'm doing classes in Santa Monica at a studio called, it's a boutique healing studio, beautiful place, small place called Cocoon in Santa Monica. And I do classes there 7.30 p.m. every Sunday night. Oh, cool. Um, but I've been doing classes now for a year and offering this as a service on an individual basis now for a year. And I mean, the, the transformations and the shifts that have been happening are so beautifully intense and 
beautifully chaotic and just profound for people. And I tell them, like, you're getting high on your air supply. That's, uh, that's one of the taglines for Wim Hof, get high on your own supply in the picture. Really? Of the yeah. Because oh. that just, that yeah, just came absolutely. to me one day, and I'm like, oh my God, that's beautiful. Yeah. And then I remember that group, Air Supply, mm. and I'm like, yeah, get high on your air supply. <laughs> yeah. For real. Yeah, it's really powerful. I mean, uh, like we talked about earlier, the subtle bodies. We have this mm-hmm. energy, and when you're pumping air through, there's you know other traditions call it prana or chi. And so in, in yoga, you call it pranayama. People mm-hmm. know that as the breath exercises, but it's the breath vehicle. And so... You're sending all this energy, you're, power, you're charging up your body with all this energy, and yeah, it frees up blockages left and right. Yes. And all. Yeah, yes. I'm sure you've experienced massive shifts with your clients. Yeah, Massive. I mean, for me personally, first, before I started bringing it to, to my clients, um, I mean, I would go into vision states regularly. I would have emotional catharsis that would make me feel pounds lighter after session. Like, these are things that you can't... And this is the, this is the beauty about working with your endogenous system, okay, is every time you do this work, you're taking your vibration up a notch every single time. But if you're taking a substance to take you there, then it's only the substance that's going to take you there. Mm -hmm. But if you realize that it's you that's taking you there, it's a whole, it's a game changer. Yeah. It's a game changer. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow um so what kind of what kind of practices do you guys do with the breath work is it is it do you, is it, you have a variety of techniques that you use or so is there I know kind of like a go-to I know there's a lot of pranayama there's there's many different styles and types of, yeah, of so breath many. work so many breath work I mean across the world we've been using it within traditions yeah. all kinds of different ways if you've yeah. ever done kundalini Thousands. you know yeah. at least 20 yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> um but the main one, I think it's called the holotropic breathwork. Stanislav Grof. I think yeah. so, yes. Yeah. Where you're actually breathing into the stomach, into the chest, and then exhaling all mm-hmm. through the mouth. Um, my teacher is David Elliott. Very, okay. very intuitive. Just an excellent teacher. Um, and he's been doing this for lifetimes. So this is, this is who I've learned the breathwork from. Um, that's who I was trained with. I learned from somebody else just through the practice for myself. Um, I learned how to do it from other people, mm-hmm. but I learned the depths of the practice through working with David Elliott. When you practice it on your own, um, so something I, I spoke about with, with my, my other friend who does it is, uh, uh, like you said, it's nice to have somebody hold the space for you. So if I have somebody there reminding me to breathe or even in the room with me, I can get through the 15, 20, 30 minutes, fine. But when I do it on my, by myself, I stop after five or ten. It starts to get really intense. Tougher, I'm like, oh, yeah. shit, I better stop. <laughs> it's tougher. It's nice to know that there's somebody there physically with you. Yeah. It is nice. Yeah. So well, I, I, may I just like get a little bit of insight into your own personal practice and, and how, how you go about having the will or determination to see through the end of the session. <laughs> so I just, I know the benefits mm. and I enjoy being high. So <laughs> I don't, I don't mind that buzzing feeling. I don't mind feeling elevated for hours afterwards. Um, and I know that every time I do it, I take myself further on a conscious level uh-huh. and higher. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you, there's more than just the consciousness application. So going back to our discussion about everything is energy, even the physical body. Mm-hmm. I'm in the gym and I'm doing squats on the Smith machine which is a stable machine that the, the bars are actually attached to these other bars. So the bar is not a free bar. Yeah. Okay. It's a very controlled movement. 
as I'm doing this, I'm feeling very strong. I'm in the best shape of my life at 41. Like I'm, I'm just sailing, right? And I'm stacking on the weights. And I'm, at different times, I'm hearing your feet aren't in the right place. Why don't you go ask that trainer? Uh, why are you putting so much weight? I'm hearing these voices in my head, right? And I'm like, shh, 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 shh. I know what I'm doing. I'm strong. Nah, nah, nah. And I'm on my third set. And I've got weight that I've never done before. And I'm, and I'm like, I'm safe because it's on the Smith machine. You know, I can't drop the weight. Everything's fine. And I go down. One, two. And on the third one, I heard a snap uh, in my low back. Uh, yeah. And I've had this before. Oh Years no. ago, I know what this injury is. It's right oh. at the SI joint, at the top of the sacrum, at the bottom of the spine. And, dude, I racked the weight immediately. I grabbed my jacket, and I'm like, God, please, just get me home. Just get me home. <laughs> and so I get directly in my car. didn't say bye to any because I know everyone at the gym. I'm like, I just left straight away, got in my yeah. car. And I can feel my back starting to seize up all the way up, like it's moving up my spine. Because it's like body... The physical body is in panic mode. Okay. Mm. I finally get home. I'm praying the whole way. Just please get me home. Please get me home. By the time I get out of my car, I'm doing that pigeon walk to just like not move any of the, the muscles or bones in my back. I get into my, my apartment. I grab the only ice pack I have and I lay it on the floor and I lay on top of it and I start making calls. I'm calling my friend Frank, calling my client and friend Sally. I'm calling everybody I know who has ice packs or could yeah. possibly have ice packs. And I'm just like, help, I need ice packs. I did some at the gym, please help. And I'll just hang up the phone and I'm laying on the floor. Like, God, why didn't I just listen to my intuition? I knew I shouldn't have been doing that. I should have just asked the trainer. Why didn't I just listen when it said, don't put that much weight? And I'm just beating myself up, right? And I look over to my left and there's that Mother Mary statue. It was in my other apartment as well. And I look over and I'm like, I'm sorry, Ma. That's how I talk to, <laughs> and so I talk to my peoples in spirit. I'm like, I should have listened. I'm sorry. I know she's one of my guides. So I'm like, it was probably you. <laughs> she's like, and I heard a voice in my head say, do the breath work. Uh. And I had a moment. I was like, oh my God, everything's energy. The reason I'm feeling this pain is because energy's just stuck. Yeah. So I turn on my music. <laughs> I take myself through what I take my class through, the full 30 minutes, right? But I'm like, <sighs> <sighs> like I'm going for it, right? I feel the energy building. Like in three minutes, I'm already starting to like seize up. Yeah. My arms are lifting. And it, like my mouth is getting, like everything. The energy is building to a point where like I've never built up energy this fast and this much so quickly, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, like, the phone rings, and it's Frank, my boy, right? And I know he's got ice, and, like, my hands are frozen <laughs> oh, like this, and my, like arms are like, yeah, my, my arms are, like, in praying mantis mode, and I'm, like, I lean over, and I swipe it over, and I'm, like, Frank, I climbed back! And he's, like, fuck is wrong with you, man? <laughs> I'm doing breath work, I climbed back! <laughs> As I hang up on him and the music comes back oh, on because it was on my phone, oh, right? Yeah. So the music stopped while Frank is calling it. I'm like, Jesus, I need the music to get me through this. By the time I finished doing the breath work, 40% of that pain was gone. 40% of the pain was gone in 30 minutes. This physical pain had disappeared. 40% of it was gone in 30 minutes just by doing the breath work. Nice. So it's not only a spiritual thing. It applies to energy. And yeah. if everything is energy, then breath is the movement of that energy, especially endogenously. If you've got something stuck inside of you, and I'll tell you, this kind of an injury lasts about two weeks. By the end of the day, I was 90% healed. 
Nice. By the next day, 100%. By the third day, I'm back in the gym. Wow. That's awesome. Just do the breath work. This guy, Wim Hof, is rewriting the science books because he's teaching people to do it. They're literally updating the books they're giving children in high school and college. They should adults be. in college. So yeah, he did one experiment. And so his whole thing is about sharing it with people and letting people rigorously test him while yes. he's replicating these things. Yes. So he's got records, you know, for being submerged in ice and keeping his body temperature up. But he, he did one. Boxers. Yeah, he trains people to, to, to hike up snowy mountains in their shorts. But another thing they did, they, they gave him a, a toxin that's supposed to induce like flu-like symptoms. And he neutralized the poison using breath work. Awesome. Under, you know, full-on sensors and, and hooked yeah. it up. And, he, yeah, he straight up neutralized it and didn't. I want to take – my girlfriend has taken his, his workshop. I want to take his workshop because I don't know the type of breath that he uses. Mm-hmm. So I want to actually experience that. So, yeah, I mean, he's got a ton of videos and uh, the oh, app. Okay. The app. He's got an app. His son, oh, wow. his son helped him market it because, <laughs> you know, awesome. he's kind of wild and out there. He's, he's wild. He's not really, like, business-oriented. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. yeah. breathe, motherfucker, video. is his thing. So, uh, but his son is a little more business oriented. So he created a, a, a the Wim Hof method yeah. and a, an app for it, and yeah. I'm sure helped him, you know, organize these tours where he's he's helping people uh, actually do the submerging and ice That's baths awesome. and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's super it's super um, accessible for people. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that, he does like circular breathing. You you inhale and let gravity exhale it for you, and you oh. don't you don't exhale all the way below like the middle. So okay. you, you just inhale and then gravity exhale and you make it circular. And then fill it up from that so, halfway point. Yeah, yeah fill yeah. it up from the halfway point. So okay. you're, you're getting f- fully charged with oxygen because you're not exhaling any of it. Right. And then you hold your breath on the last one and you end up holding your breath for two, three minutes. And then you inhale and hold it for 10 seconds and then it really gets crazy and trippy mm-hmm. for a little while. Yeah. And then you repeat. I want to experience that. I want to experience that with a sitter. Like I want mm. someone to sit with me while I do that. Because um, I tend to get, when, with new things, I tend to get in my mind yeah. about them, you know? Yeah. But I know that, um, I think the type of breath work that I lead clients through is to get them more in touch with their spirit. So I think, I'm, I'm just noticing just right now the difference between that and, and what we do. Totally. Is to get them to leave their mind and then eventually get them to leave their body so that they can understand that they are neither. Mm. So it's interesting the differences with how Wim Hof does it versus the way I was I was taught with with David Elliott. It's interesting. I want to explore that though. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Mm. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, to the to your comment, I am not the mind and the body. I, I get the sense that I am the mind and I am the body, but I am not limited to those things. Like those are. That's a how we part express in hum, in human form. That's how we express. Mm. But the real you. The bigger self, the capital S, is neither of those. Not it, both. It, not, it not encapsulates this and them. More? Yeah, it, and, it encapsulates them, but that's not the truth of who you are, because we're actually projecting this as well. Yeah. And this is how, like, people will come in, they'll do the breath work, we'll do the energy healing, and they will physically, their physical face will look different, which means. If you change the energy, you can change the physical structure, the way it even appears to other people. Not only self, like they'll go look in the mirror and they're like, Jesus, my face looks different. And I'm like, that's your energy being healed. Yeah. <laughs> like now you're seeing the truth of who you are. So imagine if we let go of even the physical, we would see the ultimate truth of who we are. We may see ourselves as that God self. My experience with that is 
like the, the other stuff we talked about, the synchronicities start emerging. Like just yeah, being in more of a flow state with all that you experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, but beyond the physical, and the reason that uh, they want me to clarify. So the reason, the reason that I do that with clients and try to get them out of that physical space is because they're so caught up with the mind yeah. that it's affecting their physical existence. Mm-hmm. So they almost need to swing the pendulum way to the other side. Just to get a little perspective. To get a different perspective yeah. so that when the pendulum swings back, they're not so human. Mm-hmm. They realize that they're, they're a little bit more spirit. And then when it swings again, they're going to be so much less human. Mm-hmm. And then when it swings back to the other side again, they're going to be so much more spirit as well. Like yeah. there's just, until they get to that balance point of I am all that, I am yeah. that. Yeah. I am human. I am spirit. I am all of it. And at that point, dude, you can levitate. <laughs> you can change your own physical structure. You can look different as a chameleon to other people. Like then, then we become full-fledged humans, as mm-hmm. Sadhguru calls it, because mm-hmm. his physical structure changed as a result of his energy changing. Mm. His voice changed. His eyes changed. The physical structure of his face changed. Like... All of it's malleable. So are we this body? I don't think so. Like, we have a body while we're here, but we are not this body. The truth of who we are is not this body. Hmm. And if we can come to realize that, we can take a lot of our, you know, the mind turns pain into suffering. Yeah. But if you can alleviate the mind, if you can get past the mind, then you can experience pain as what it is, a sensation, not as a pain that can turn into suffering. Yeah. And then you can get over a lot of, of human issues. Totally. Uh, to speak on the same topic, Wim Hof uses the cold as his trainer. So he has a personal relationship with cold and freezing temperatures. And through that, he's experienced so much healing, which we know has physical effects, but I think it's also that engagement with that pain yes. in a different way, with a different yes. perspective. Well, also, so, uh, yeah. to, the, to the idea of perspective, uh, sure. I completely agree with you. We don't need the psychedelics to get there. And I also think for some people, doing it once can really give you that shift in perspective that yes. can give you that, oh, I am connected to everything. Certainly. And, uh, but then you do have people who are chasing the high. I'm not exempt from that. Not, <laughs> and, not only the high, just, but you, the experience. Because it is peak, cool to... Uh, peak experience, they call it. Are you chasing the like, peak ultimate experiences? I've time? talked with people who have, who have bilocated as a result of ayahuasca. Mm. So like they want to do that again. Again, it's like... Yeah. Like, where do I get that fix from? Like, don't, yeah. you know, where's the allowance? Where's the surrender? Where is the, they're trying to force an experience. They have an expectation. They're trying to manage an experience. And this will go back to fate and free will. That's already been predestined for them. Yeah. You know, if they can just allow that development to come instead of chasing it. And that's, that's what I find is, is like these, these medicines are great for people who are ready to develop themselves on a conscious level. Mm-hmm. But if you're just going for the experience, fuck off. Like you should not be doing it. Yeah. Period. Because you're opening yourself up and you don't know if somebody's not holding proper space, if somebody's not, you know what I mean? Holding the right intention for you. If you're not holding the right intention, right, wrong, like, you know what I mean? The most beneficial for you, the safest at any given time for your growth. Yeah. If you're doing it just for the high or just for that, like you're doing it for the wrong reason, you're going to get woken up in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, you get what you ask for in ways you didn't expect. 
Yeah. And that's something that that's become a mantra for me. I always get what I ask for. Mm. But sometimes I don't know what I'm asking for. So when it shows up, I'm like, the hell is this? And then I'll hear in my head, this is what you asked for. And I'm like, oh, crap. (laughs) I get it. Oh. Be a little more careful next time. Exactly. Yeah, I was starting to get really worried because my thoughts were coming real like a little too often and I wasn't having intentional thoughts I was just like maybe having a daydream and then it would manifest and I'd be like I was just afraid to have any kind of a daydream I <laughs> started stifling my thoughts trying to like I was just walking around with a mantra all the time just really trying to I not I have no thoughts I have no thoughts I Man. have no thoughts <laughs> I don't know it's a little scary if, if you're not if I you know if things are happening everything you think starts coming true and you're not in control over that I don't know I started and getting on, a weird and on the it. medicines it can happen even faster yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're opening up all kinds of different channels, and yeah, it's, it's, it can get pretty weird. <laughs> I'll tell you, if I ever do a plant medicine again, it will be one-on-one with a proper shaman with a lineage mm. that goes back to the beginning. Totally. Or else I'm not sitting. Mm-hmm. I just won't do it, because there's too many people fatting it out and yeah. uh, trying to make money off of it and just trying to provide an experience. Like, don't provide an experience for somebody. Take them on a journey. Mm-hmm. lead them back to themselves Yeah, that they don't need the medicine the medicine is to show you that you don't need it it's to show you that you have everything within for the same reason that, that my guides told me to make my job obsolete I'm doing my best I love <laughs> like, it I'm doing my best <laughs> to make sure that I am unnecessary and the sooner the better then yeah. we can all chill out wherever we are and realize that there's nothing to do really yeah, and uh, so that thread uh, you've you've stated in in some of your videos that your goal is to reach ten million people with this message. You want to talk so a little since, bit about that? Since I've since I've made that statement, yeah, I since have released it, and I don't uh, care. I don't care how many I reach because right now I'm I'm experimenting with surrendering everything. Yeah, even the human idea of how many people I want to reach. <clears throat> the only thing I have a desire for now is to leave the world in a higher space than when I joined it. Cool. So my main goal is to create healing centers, one, two, or more around the world that will be able to serve humanity forever. <laughs> That's the legacy that, that I want to live. So even if I reach 10 million or not, by the time I leave this earth, unimportant. Like the goal's out there. And, and now that I've set it out there, I can actually forget about it because I don't care. Yeah. I mean, I care about the people. You spoke it to the universe, and like we care. said, the universe reaches back. So I, I, I feel you with the idea of like setting the intention and letting it go. It's it's interesting it's because really then you approached me and two other people. I'm going to be doing podcasts with. There's that television show I'm working on now. Like all these things are happening as a result of me letting go of the 10 million. Mm, I, like I was that. like, I gotta do the 10 million. I gotta like, yeah, I, I, I. And God's like, chill out, dude. It's already coming. <laughs> like, you just tapped into it, but it's already coming. <laughs> yeah, I love it's it. It's coming down the pipe. Wow. So I guess to the tune of uh, leave, leaving, uh, leaving us, leaving humanity with uh, just in a higher space, higher consciousness. Um, something we wanted to talk about today was uh, gender dynamics and balancing the sacred masculine and feminine. Hmm. And. So I don't know if you noticed when I sent you the email to invite you on the podcast, uh, there was a little logo image. And by the time this uh, this airs, uh, I'll have an updated image, but I'm, I'm going to keep it the same. And I don't know if you noticed, but it's a Merkaba. <laughs> and I, nice. I, it came about from just a doodle. 
like I kind of just doodled that and was like, oh yeah, that kind of reminds me of the sacred geometry. And I looked it up and I'm like, oh yeah, it's a Merkaba. How about I put a cool like portal doorway in the middle and like you know, it's a flare for the curious. I think I did notice, but it was a while ago. But yeah. I think I did notice that. And the Merkaba is something special for me. I'll explain later. I'd love to hear you talk more about it because I didn't know that much about it. So I'm my mother's Jewish and I've never really tapped into my Judaic roots and like you know, I've got some books in the Kabbalah, but I've only skimmed through them. Um, yesterday, I, uh, I ended up going down a, a rabbit hole of Merkaba mm. learning, and Excellent. I guess I didn't realize that the, the intersecting pyramids—the one pointing up, the three with a triangular base—if mm-hmm. people aren't familiar with their Merkaba, it's the logo to the show. So it's got a triangular base pyramid. So it's got three sides: one pointing up, one pointing down. The one pointing up represents the masculine. Mm-hmm. The one pointing down represents the feminine. They spin in opposite directions. Before I heard the instructions, I intuited which way they would spin just, i mean it's 50 50 but <laughs> yeah right um so you it's never the, know it's, when it's you're this... dealing with multiple dimensions you know yeah you know. <laughs> yeah so the merkaba is it's a vehicle mm-hmm. for uh you can program it like you could a crystal you can set intentions into it and it helps people to raise their vibration raise their frequency uh, which allows us to tap into the will and energy of the universe and allow us to manifest or create our intentions as we see. So it, 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 I thought it was hugely fitting <laughs> for our conversation about uh, balancing the masculine and feminine because you do this within yourself with the Merkaba. It allows you to, to ascend to a higher frequency and uh, enact the divine will. So uh, I, I guess I also real, made it, it helped me to realize that if I'm using the Merkaba as a logo for this podcast, then this podcast is also my vehicle <laughs> for enacting my own will and balancing my own uh, frequencies and whatnot. And so I'm 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 still on the learning end of it and really curious to dig a little deeper. So it sounds like you've already got some insight into into the Merkaba, and I'd love to hear uh, what you, you have I to do say about have, it. I do have a little bit. Um... So the, the story that I will share is not too much of a detail of, of what it does or how it works. I haven't even done the meditation because I heard, anyways, um, everybody's journey is different. So um, some people are meant to connect with it on a deeper level. Some people are not. But I'll tell you just an interesting thing that came, that came across for me was um, Maggie. Mm-hmm. So when I, one of the ways that I found out about the Merkaba is... Um, I saw a waking vision where these gnats were showing me a symbol that I didn't know what it was at the time, but it was during a very human woe is me moment, very first world, my life sucks kind of moment. And I'm watching these gnats, these little tiny flies in a swarm. I'm watching one of them fly away and then it comes back to the swarm and a second one flies away and it comes back and a third one flies. And I just had this thought, I was like, Oh, I wonder if they need each other's wind to stay in the swarm because they're all so small. And I didn't even finish the thought. And that swarm of gnats went flat and they showed me this symbol. Hmm. To me, it looked like a chain link fence because I didn't know what it was. I just saw these gnats bouncing off of each other in a triangular format. So much... It was so geometric that I literally had to wipe my eyes and stare at it again because they're like 10 feet away from me in the air. I'm on the roof of a parking structure. I'm nowhere near vegetation wow. where these gnats would normally hang out because they're <laughs> normally by bushes or right above the grass. Or These are on the top of a six-story parking structure. <laughs> okay, I was up there smoking a joint, taking a moment before I go into work on a Sunday, and I just didn't want to be at, at, at work on a Sunday. Yeah. Now these gnats are showing me the symbol. 
I didn't know what it was, but I had chills from head to toe. And I'm like, shit, something is happening. And I remember the angel books I was reading, and it said, if you see something that's out of the ordinary, just say thank you, it'll make sense later. <laughs> yeah. So I'm staring at these gnats, like, in disbelief. And I say, thank you? <laughs> and I take a step in the other direction to get in my car, and I decide to turn back around and look at the gnats again. They're gone. The air that they were occupying, empty. These gnats appeared and disappeared just like that after they showed me this symbol. I decided not to go into work that day. <laughs> decided to, like, something just happened today. I'm just going to take this for myself. I don't want to go into work. I'm the only one in this building. I was yeah. working in the NBC building at the time here in, uh, in Universal City, which Maggie was the security guard of, okay. the, the main security guard of that building. So Monday morning, I go in to talk to her. And I'm like, Maggie, this is what happened yesterday. Like, what is this? And she's like, have you heard of the Merkaba? I'm like, no, what is that? And she's like, I don't know. Have you heard of Drunvalo? I'm like, no, what's that? And she goes, go to your computer and look it up. <laughs> so I went straight up to my computer, got on Google. I type in Merkaba the best way I could. And I'm seeing what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. So it's the Star of David, but yeah. with pyramids instead of triangles. Yeah, Star of David's okay. a two-dimensional representation of this three-dimensional. Three exactly. Yeah. So... I'm seeing all these three-dimensional versions of the Star of David, and I'm like, that's not it, that's not it. And back then, Google had pages, so I was clicking on the next page, and I go to page two, and I'm scrolling down, and it's all these, these symbols, right? And I'm like, this is not it. And then I finally get down to the bottom, and I see the symbol that the gnats showed me. And it says underneath it, it says, the fluid Merkaba, the flower of life, yeah, which is the female extension of the male version of the Sri Yantra or the yep. the tetrahedron, the star tetrahedron. Yep. So that was the first bit of it for me where I'm like, oh my God. And it confirmed for me that every religion around the world has a key to like this one big door that God's hiding behind yeah. <laughs> with a bunch of locks on this door. And if just all the religions would come together and put their key <laughs> in and then we'd unlock it and the debate would be over. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So then I tell I like my that. father about um, I'm just telling him about some experiences, and I'm like, the, the Merkaba, the Merkaba, and he's like, wait a minute, you mean Merkaba? And I'm like, <laughs> kind of sounds the same. I'm like, what does that mean? And he goes, it means chariot, yeah, the chariot of light. So when I was reading Drunvalo's books, he was talking about Merkaba meditation. It's a very complicated meditation. It's very complicated. <laughs> very complicated. It's just like 17 items to visualize. And yes. Like and in a specific, yeah, in a specific yeah. order. And very I'm just, complex. I'm not into that kind of complexity. <laughs> I'm a very keep it simple kind of guy. So yeah. that was, that was very challenging for me to wrap my head around. And I'm like, if it's this difficult mentally, I'm probably not meant to do it. But if it makes sense to me, then of course I'm going to do it. Um, I didn't end up doing it, but I read all about it. And, and they were saying that it is your chariot of light. So it took this Arabic word, Merkeba, and also it's in, it's in the, Judeo, the Judeo world as well, of, of it being a transport vehicle. Mm -hmm. And Drunvalo was sharing stories about how... Where's Drunvalo from? Um, I don't know, but he's a Melchizedek, which is a okay. title. Yeah. Um, you'll see a picture of a Melchizedek up there above my window. Mm -hmm. um, and he's actually he's holding the, the Merkaba. You oh, see that? Yeah. The fourth picture that. from the left. Yeah. So... And then you can see Archangel nice. Metatron is also holding one above his head. So there's a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of, um, it's called sacred geometry for a reason. So 
all the intersecting points, whether they be circular or straight lines, mean something different, mm-hmm. and, and they hold the equations of every known mathematical equation on Earth that could be, ever has been, ever will be. That's, that's what sacred geometry holds. So the flower of life you'll see on that wall, I also have it tattooed on my arm. Between that and all the, all the different geometries that can come out of that, mm-hmm. including the Merkaba, yeah. it explains all of life mathematically yeah it seems like if we are in a simulation like the, the sacred geometry is the the encoding of this simulation yeah. i remember i was told it's, once it's fractally repetitive yeah and i was told once if you could see the geometry of the human body it would be mind-boggling like yeah. we would with our current status of, of human mind activity we would not be able to understand the geometry that puts together this body mm-hmm. because we have energetic templates that the that the physical body grows into. Yeah. That's how your organs know how to grow to certain sizes or certain shapes. There's an energetic cookie cutter template for every piece of our body. The geometries are contained within all of those. Yeah. And they're straight lines and they're curves and they're Fibonacci sequences and they're the torus, they're I mean they're toroidal. It, it goes way beyond our level of comprehension. So yeah. even those that are speaking about it, they only have a, mini, a minuscule amount of knowledge about it because the brain would not be able to contain all of that. Because then you'd be God. Yeah. Then you would be God. Then you'd be able to create worlds. That was my experience when I smoked DMT. What I saw, I felt like I was looking through the eyes of God. Yes. And I was like, oh, shit, this is why I can't see this all the time because this is thoroughly overwhelming. Like, I can't. It is overwhelming. Yeah. But it felt like I, I had a glimpse into the matrix of co- the composition of and something to look forward what to. What is. Yeah. <laughs> something to look forward to. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's, uh, let's, let's talk about uh, the, the gender dynamics of uh, balancing sure. out the masculine and feminine. So I know we talk, talked about something that might be interesting to talk about. Um, we're in this, this time period right now of humanity where the, the masculine is really dominant. And uh, I think we're starting to now see that we need to, to balance out these feminine energies. And, uh, you know, I've always had this leadership qualities, but people have always told me you've got a really uh, strong feminine energy about how you assert yourself. And I'm a Pisces and a water oh, sign. Another, and, you another know, Pisces in my life. Yeah. So, you life. know, I've got, I've got a lot of like fluid qualities to, to how, how I live. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious in, in about this this healing because I know in my journey, like looking back and, and looking to see how I can balance out things has helped me to move forward in a productive way. And I think we're at a time, especially in American society, where we're reflecting on the atrocities of our past and how we got to the place we're in with so much hatred and racism and looking to heal the past so we can hopefully move forward in a positive direction. Um, so, yeah, I, I was curious to, to hear your take on, on, on what you think could be helpful for or where we're at with balancing out energies like that. So what, what I'll say is only what I know hmm. through what I've been told. And there is a, um, there is a union happening mm-hmm. between the masculine and feminine energies within each of us. Yeah. Okay. And it's also being represented outwardly in our society, right? We're having gender anomalies and anomalies may not be the right word, but, um, blurred lines as far as um, strictly male and female genders. And this is happening outwardly for a reason, because we need to realize that it's happening inwardly as well. So inside of us, yes, it's been very, very masculine for a very, very long time. Lots of wars, aggression, 
you know, domination, trying to succeed, be the best, like all these things, right? Com- competition, all this. That energy is waning now. There's a lot less physical wars going on, a lot less destruction going on. There is a feminine energy rising in the age of Aquarius. There is much more feminine energy coming in. So those of us that hold a nice balance between masculine and feminine, we are the leaders because we're supposed to be helping people to understand that about themselves also. So most people are trying to get this sacred union outwardly, right? Oh, I need to find my mate and I need to find my soulmate or my twin flame. Fuck all that. Like that's all happening within you. Yeah. You need to realize that turn those projectors back inside <laughs> yeah. and look inside of you. Where are you imbalanced? Are you too masculine inside? Are you too feminine inside? Where can you bring that balance within you? Okay. So what's happening intrinsically right now is happening outwardly as well. Yes, America seems to be the forefront of a lot of this, and for good reason. And we can get into that in another show perhaps. But the thing is, we need to recognize the balance within us first, and we will start to see more balance on the outside as well. Mm -hmm. Not that somebody needs to pick a gender and stick to it, but more that we need to be accepting of both as part of who we are and own both the male aggression energy is over that that started to die in 2012 and now in 2019 we are fully moving into the feminine the more feminine aspects even though you know our president doesn't really our president doesn't show that right now that is part of the show too yeah Okay, everything is coming to a head right now. Well, we have to see what's broken in order we to We've got to see the fix. contrast. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> we got to see the contrast. And unfortunately, one of, my, one of the things my uncle said that stuck with me my whole life is human beings don't move unless there's pain, mm-hmm. unless it's too painful to stay where you are. Now, we have ignored politics for a long time. We've ignored the insides of us for too long. And now we're seeing the outward representation of the inner struggle that we've been ignoring. Now it's in our faces. We cannot ignore it any longer. Yeah, that complacency let it bubble up a little too hot. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And now it's time to look at that. But don't look to fix your outside world. All these people are getting angry and they're pointing fingers at everybody. You know what happens when you point a finger. Yeah. Like everybody needs to point those fingers back at themselves and say, what can I do? So we think we have an aggressive president. But you're coming at the aggression with aggression. Yeah, it's like I always love this the, is not the, the phrase solve. of like other people at the peace rallies demanding out of anger peace. <laughs> like, right, oh, and then taking their pain <laughs> and putting their pain on everybody else. It's not helping. Yeah, Mother Teresa said people asked, "Would you march against the war?" And she said, "No, but if you have a march for peace, I'll be there." Yeah, like she said, "Yeah, I'll go for peace, but I'm not going to march against anything." Mm-hmm. We need to. We need to make sure of what we're fighting for. Mm -hmm. So for all of you guys out there that are getting angry at what's happening right now, use the anger productively. Rechannel that energy into something higher. Like Einstein said, we cannot fix a problem with the same consciousness that created it. Yeah. So if you're trying to fight fire with fire, we're going to end up burning the entire world. Mm -hmm. We need to come above it all with love and more understanding and new solutions. Yeah. Not bringing the old shit and making it new with this new generation. No. Yeah. Get it right. It's happening inside of you. Don't be that further representation of that anger and that disgust and that 
unhealed racism. That's all is being shown to us right now. We haven't healed that shit. We've put masks over it, Mm -hmm. pretending not to be racist and pretending not to hate people. But we do, or we wouldn't have a representative of our nation that is there, sitting there, and Russia did not put him in. (laughs) Okay, He is there to represent what is really going on inside of us. And if each of us takes a deeper look at what's going on inside of us, we will realize there's a Trump inside of all of us, and there's an Obama inside of all of us, and there's a Hillary, and there's a... We need to recognize that all of this is happening on the inside. Heal it on the inside. It'll stop getting reflected to us. Yeah. Because there'll be nothing to reflect except peace and love. If you're, if you're coming from a place of peace and love, there's going to be more peace and love. But if you're fighting what you think is aggression with more aggression, that's a powder keg. That's yeah. a volcano waiting to explode. Yeah. That's not solution. I'm so excited about the times we live in. We're in like such this, too, pivot, this pivotal shift. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, crazy it's scary because daunting. we can't yes. see what's going to happen yet. Yes. But we know what's happening. Uh, yes. So I, I'm, I'm doing uh, I postmodernism in school right now. And so I was reading about modernism versus postmodernism and well, what's what comes next, right? And so we're this <laughs> this place where we're, we're on the precipice of post postmodernism. So what they, they think? What's going to be the synthesis, the Hegelian synthesis of the It'll dialectic? It'll be isness. Yeah, and so uh, one thing that that they said that really stuck out with me uh, in this one article I read, it said we're going to move from a model of diversity to inclusivity. Yeah, you know, and so when we accept people in diversity, we're still really pointing out the differences, but the inclusivity really lets us all be part of the same team, moving towards a common goal of peace and unity and prosperity and all the good things. And so I'm. I'm really hopeful for, for the direction that we're moving. People, so many people coming uh, into their consciousness and becoming aware of all these problems like that you said, you know, we can't ignore them anymore, but they're embracing them in ways that, that uh, just leave me really hopeful. Me too. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I wanted to ask you about some of the... the uh, the things you list on on your website mm-hmm. you've got you've got a list of uh some of the things you've miraculous events and whatnot that you've encountered yourself sure. or through your clients yeah. i'm just going to read off some of these because <laughs> they're they're pretty amazing and really you can pick any one of these to talk about and i'd be <laughs> thrilled to hear about it so you said obviously as we know you've had encounters with angels and other loving spirits waking visions channeling entity removals near-death experiences out-of-body experiences disembodied voices Lucid dreaming, astral travel, past life recollection, thousands of colored orbs, mediumship clairvoyance, spirit overlay, and much more that defies science, logic, and reason. Hmm. All of which uh, deepened your faith and connection to the divine. To the, to yeah. the divine. Yeah. I love it. Um, do you have any sh- stories of any of these uh, particular experiences I that have, stand out that might want to share with us today? That's a whole another day long. <laughs> that's a day long show. Yeah, I, you know the first five to seven years of me being on path were like science fiction. I mean, you can write a movie about it. It was so crazy. I couldn't share it with my parents. I couldn't share it with anybody except people who were already in, like Maggie, who were already in the spiritual world. And she was really my only guide in the beginning. Yeah. Thank God for Maggie. (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, I'll share one experience that happened with Maggie. I don't know if you're going to have her on the show or not, but I think she'd be an amazing guest. But one of the things that had happened was um, right at the... The end of 2011 moving into 2012, right? There was all this talk about people getting switched on and yada, yada, yada. Well, it happened for me Mm. right at the end of December. And I was helping my friend Frank and Nicole move. And it was kind of a very frustrating day. A lot of things were happening. And 
one of the things that I experienced was my energy started to shut down. I started to feel the emotions of my friend and his fiance at the time, and my whole body went fetal, and I started crying. And all I was feeling was sadness, despair, and he's asking me what the hell's wrong with you. We're in his moving truck, wow. or we're in a U-Haul moving truck, and we're trying to drop off you know, furniture and stuff at two different locations from yeah. the location they're moving out of, and I am freaking out, and I'm, I have no idea what's happening to me calling on my angels. I'm calling for help in every way that I know how at that point. Nothing is working. Like I'm losing energy. I'm stuck in a fetal position. My hands are clasped shut. Like when you're really into the breath work, you get those lobster claw hands. They are shut. Like I can't even pick up my phone. Right. And I tell Frank, this is long story short. I tell Frank, call Maggie. She'll know what to do. Now, Maggie is off in Arizona. I'm in California. We're in Los Angeles, right? She gets this ping mentally, like, I think I need to check my phone. She goes and checks her phone, which she usually has off. She turns on her phone. She gets a panic message from me saying, Maggie, I need your help. I don't know what's happening. Like, something's taking over my body and nobody's responding. And she immediately goes to work, right? And so, again, long story short, I'm sitting in this moving truck. You know, in a moving truck, there's metal behind you. There's no, there's no space behind your seat. There's no nothing. So I'm bent over, and like my hands are clasped shut. Like I have, what is that? What is that situation where you, that physical illness where you've got, you know, MS, musculoskeletal. It could be MS, or it could be, it could be another thing. Anyways, like my hands are closed shut. I can't use them. I, every time I try to open my hands, they slam shut again. Wow. So I'm like, something is happening. Anyways. So I'm doubled over in this moving van, and all of a sudden I feel a pair of hands on my shoulder. Like, legitimate hands touching me. And I freak out. I'm like, oh, oh. And I'm like trying to, you know, wipe the hands off of my shoulder because I'm like, what the hell? Like, there's nothing in this car with me, right? And I'm like, oh, okay. No, it's good. Yeah, I'm ready. Like, I think it's Maggie at this point, right? And so these hands come back onto my shoulders and I start to feel all this energy like the opposite of an earthquake that you see on TV where the epicenter and then they got these waves going out from the center of the epicenter to where the earthquake is affecting. So it's the opposite effect and all this energy is coming into my body. Oh, wow. My legs are starting to get feeling put back into them. My hands get released. I'm able to sit up straight again. The phone rings and it's Maggie. (laughs) (laughs) And I go... Maggie, was that you? She said, where are you and who are you with? I said, were those your hands? And she goes, who are you with and what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, this is what's happening, blah, blah, blah. She's like, you need to understand something. You are different as of today. You need to, and she gives me like all these lists of things that I need to start preparing for my energy because now my energy got turned on. Oh, wow. Through the tumult. That was happening between my friend and his fiance wow. during this eight-hour experience of moving out of one place and into two different places. So that was just one experience where something was somebody's hands were physically on my shoulders and sending energy into the core of my being to help bring me back to human life, <laughs> human function, wow. which was very interesting. And then I found myself in anger. I was still processing the the energy that was in. I remember looking at a group of guys, forgive me, and wondering how I'm going to kick the shit out of each of them. Like, would I attack this guy first? And then then I noticed my thoughts and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? I'm not an aggressive person. Mm. I break up fights. I don't stop. I don't start fights. (laughs) And so I noticed that, that that was the play of energy that was trying to leave me. It was the energy I had absorbed 
from the people I was with during the day, the energy, the, fr- the frustration, the anger, all that stuff. Yeah. But there's so many other experiences, like the levitation, for example, was, was something really silly that I, I shouldn't have been doing, but you know everything, everything happens for a reason. And I think, I won't go into why it happened, but I, I had a client come in who was very, very, very sensitive to energy, more sensitive than I've ever seen anybody to date. And this happened very early on, and I was young and stupid. And a human thought came into my head. I'm like, wow, this guy is this sensitive. I wonder if we can lift him off the table. (laughs) And so I extended my hands energetically under his body and started to lift him off the table. And his arms flew out in front of him. He was face down. And his arms and his legs started to come off the table. And he says, I'm lifting, I'm lifting. And at that point, I started to freak out. And I'm like, enough, enough. Like in my head, I'm like, cut it off, cut it off. And his body came back down. Like the only part of his body that was still on the table was his solar plexus, which is his personal power, his sense of self, all that. It was stuck to the table. So his, his body was actually bending in, in a way like doing a back, back bend, bend. Yeah. But like forced back bend and in a way that you couldn't do a back bend it was like doing a superman but like he was he was turning into a you and when i saw that i thought he was gonna break and i was like enough enough cut it off cut it off (laughs) and his body just came back down if he lifted off the table i would have left the studio anyways (laughs) scare yourself (laughs) i would have scared the shit out of myself i mean it was already scary but um one of the other things like let's just say the 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 visitations from gurus i've seen jesus show up um it's been more than once, mm-hmm. but in, in a deep meditation, I was literally crying out, staring at a photo of him, yelling at him, saying, I need him right now. I'm, I'm in danger. I need help. Like just begging, begging, begging from the deepest parts of my soul. And I remember just sitting, crying in meditation and just poof, third eye opens. And I see this figure walking towards me who's dressed in like the robes, like what you would see Jesus wearing with this red sash across his shoulder. And I see, first of all, I see his feet. I see the sandals and I see the robe and I'm looking up and up and up and up until finally I get to his neck and there's no head. It's just light coming out of, of where his head is. I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask what race you was. (laughs) (laughs) I think it stayed ambiguous on purpose so that I like that because at that time too, I was kind of, I was, I was a little bit in the spiritual ego stage. And so if, if they had shown me what he actually like looked like, I would have been probably touting. I know what Jesus looks like. I probably would have been in that space. Recreating a shroud. Yeah. But what happened was, um, he took a knee and put his finger in my heart. And it was during a time where there was somebody in my life who was very manipulative. And I didn't realize it until she had left the country for a month. And I needed answers. And this is why I was yelling out to him, I need an answer. And he came and all he did was put his finger in my heart space. And I started bawling like a little baby. Um, After that meditation, a week later, I went to a breathwork class. Mm. And I had a very profound vision in that breathwork class. The whole class, there was nothing, there was no vision state happening. It was the most frustrating class ever until the last like five minutes of the class, I'm off in this vision state. I'm like, I could feel my body go weightless. All of a sudden, this Bible comes hurling at me, right? And I'm like, what the fuck? And it's like a soft, bound, brown. A vision of this Bible. Yes. Boom. Hits me in the chest. Gets me out of my vision. I'm like, what the fuck? A Bible? And right when that <laughs> happened, a huge like face of a lion. So like three feet wide, four feet tall, face of a lion, no eyes, just light. Whew, 
and the light is looking at me through the lion, the lion's face. And I'm like, to me, that means Jesus. That's just my, my animal representation of Jesus for me is the lion. Sure. And I was like, wow, something just happened. A week after that, mind you, this lady has been, she's been in another country for almost a month by now. Mm-hmm. A week after that, my friend Frank calls me. We're really close friends. He calls me and he's like, hey, Kev, I'm just calling to see how you're doing, blah, blah, blah. You heard about this girl, da, da, da. How are things going? And I'm like, dude, what's going on, man? What are you feeling? He's like, why? What's happening? I'm like, dude, I'm looking for answers. You spit it out. I've been asking for answers for two weeks. What's happening? He's like, well, maybe you should come over and we'll talk about it over dinner or something. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> so I go over to his place and his wife had been expressing concern about this woman I was involved with and mm. like had been hounding Frank for two weeks. Call oh, wow. your boy. Call your boy. There's oh, something wow. wrong here. There's something wrong here. And she's very deeply Christian, but um, even though I'm not, there was, there was something to do with this and I'll share. Yeah. So they're telling me what they think is happening and blah, 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 and what to be wary of. And I'm like, dude, I know I've been getting the signs. Like, and then I see something in my head and I'm like, Nicole, do you have a Bible? She goes upstairs. She's like, yeah, hang on a second. She goes and gets her father's Bible, brings it downstairs. And it's the same exact Bible that I saw two weeks previous. Oh, wow. In my, in my, or a week previous in my breath work, at the end of the breath work. In that vision, the Bible that came hurling at me and hit me in the chest, there were papers stuck in the Bible mm-hmm. when she brought the Bible down and a brown sash, right? One of those brown, like, bookmark oh, sashes. Wow. When she brought it down, it was the Bible with the sash and papers stuck in it. And I'm like, <gasps> that's the same fucking, oh, sorry, that's the same Bible. <laughs> and she's like, what Bible? And I'm like, I saw a vision of that exact Bible a week ago today. It was exactly seven days from when I had that vision, I'm like, give me that book. <laughs> so I grab the book. And I look at where the papers are stuck in. It's at the beginning of the book of Revelation. And I'm like, and I don't remember the Bible. Like I read it when I was, you know, super duper young. Didn't yeah. have any capacity to remember the stuff in there. So I know it's like fire and brimstone and Armageddon and like all that too. But I know there's a deeper meaning to the book of Revelation. But I felt like something was being revealed mm-hmm. to me in that moment. Yeah. And it was Jesus, meditation, the breath work where I saw the Bible and the lion, and then my friend bringing it all together. Just in enough time to get her stuff out of my place before she came back from out of the country. As I was disassembling her altar, which she conveniently put in my bedroom, (laughs) there was um, a porcelain head of a female, um, which I believe would be either Kuan Yin or some some goddess um, figure. When I went to grab that, it was sizzling. My hands were on fire. And I set it back down. I'm like, the hell is that? So I grabbed two oven mitts, <laughs> put the oven mitts on. I grabbed it again. Oh, man, and, I'd love and to be a fly on that wall. <laughs> <laughs> there was a spider on that wall. Oh, this goodness. is a very long story that I'm oh. truncating. All my stories are long, but um, for the sake of the show, I'm truncating them. So I grabbed the oven mitts, and I, and I grabbed this porcelain head, and I look underneath it to see if there's a light or something inside. It's hollow. Weird. I take another step back. I take a knee, and I'm like, Ma, calling on Mother Mary. I'm like... I need your help, a little extra protection with this. I don't know what this is, but this doesn't seem on the up and up. Yeah. So please protect me, guide me during this process. And I grabbed some bubble wrap and wrapped up the lady's head. And I'm like, I don't know who you are. No disrespect, but you're not allowed here. Put it in a bag and took it to a place of storage with 
with everybody else, wow. <laughs> with all the rest of her stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. But, so, I mean, there's a million stories, man. So good. So good. Yeah, thanks for sharing those two. Yeah. Um, so I guess we can put on oven, oven mitts to give ourselves a little bit of a physical boundary. <laughs> but uh, uh, and, and the question that came up for me a little bit from, from the, the first story is uh, what kind of tips do you have for setting energetic boundaries? So it sounds like your empathy allowed whatever happened between you and your friends to come through and affect your field in such a way that it, it shifted you into whatever stage of development you needed to get to. But I'm, I'm a bit of an empathetic person myself, and I'm always looking to establish my boundaries <laughs> and reestablish those boundaries. And so, I was wondering if you have any practical tips for, for doing that other than inviting it in. No tips, but I guess I'll share with you what, what I've learned about boundaries over the years. Um, this is just going to sound weird because like Reiki practitioners will tell you, you know, you have to put a boundary around yourself and protect yourself. And, da, 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 da. and I used to subscribe to that. And then at some point, like those boundaries weren't working. So I was like, what's going on? Do I need a reinforcement? Do I need stronger? Do I need to make a titanium bound? Like what's, yeah. what's actually happening here? And then I began, again, the evolution of thought and, and energy over the years. Again, looking at duality and oneness. What are we actually afraid of? It's just a reflection of ourself. Mm-hmm. What are we creating a boundary for? Boundaries are meant... If you're in fear, if you come from a place of love and strength and compassion, you won't need a boundary. But what about when our love and our strength and our compassion? This is, is just my personal s- opinion, by the way. Still, I'm just uh, caveating this. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like when I'm in a, a really, ask, a really good, a really good, strong place, I'm you know I can take on other people's energies and transmute it or work with it in in healthy ways. But when I'm I'm not strong and i'm kind of working with my own stuff uh other people can sway me in ways that are really unhelpful so i feel like i must admit yes i am still living in fear in a lot of my life and i'm you most know, of I'm us do still working with a, a yeah. you know i do too like, i'm no exception well, i'm no I'm exception. Sure. <laughs> but when it comes to the work and working with people like even people in the in the energy world or the energy space or reiki would say be careful if you're working on cancer patients and i'm like why What's like, if I had to protect myself from the people that I'm working with, then I'm, I'm coming from a place of fear, one. Yeah. But then from a rational place, what about all the nurses that work with cancer patients? What about all the doctors? How come they're not coming down with cancer? They care. Yeah. I care. I barely know the person that's in front of me. How am I going to contract cancer energetically because I don't have a proper boundary up? Doesn't make sense. Yeah. But when it comes to boundaries, and this is... This is what I'm hearing right now is like there's a difference between physical boundaries as a human being Mm -hmm. and your boundaries for your mental sanity and your emotional sanity versus energetic boundaries. Okay. Energetically, we're all connected anyways. Who are you trying to create a boundary from? Another version of you, another reflection of you. Yeah. (laughs) So there are times when I've been faced with something that I'm like, oh shit, I should have protected myself, but I didn't need to because... I also, again, and this, this will add the element of faith, like, I believe I'm protected, period, end of story. Whatever's going to happen to me needs to happen to me. If it's happened, it was supposed to happen. I'm not going to judge it. I'm not going to go into fear and say, next time this happens, I'm going to create a boundary. I'm not. I'm just going to change how I feel about the situation, make a different choice. Yeah. I'm not going to even call it a boundary. Some people may look at it and go, it's a boundary. I used to think that I needed boundaries because I was taking on people's energy, but that, now I know that I don't need to worry 
about other people. People are being taken care of. Like, if I'm worrying about somebody else and somebody else thinks, then I think God has taken their eyes off of them. And that's, that's a mistruth <laughs> yeah, for yeah. me. So it's like, totally. I'm, I'm trying to come from a space of like, there is no fear, there's nothing to protect from. Like, and again, that, that may change again, but this is where I am now. Is I think boundaries come from fear and a lack of understanding. That's, yeah. that's it. And I'm not saying that I'm free from that yet. But I'm pretty close. And I know that just by saying this, I'm going to get tested. So, <laughs> but I, I get it. And my faith is strong. So I'm not, I'm not really worried. I mean, there are spirits in this house. you know, And I know that there are spirits of people who have passed on. But I don't get scared. I can feel them. And I know that they're troubled. And you may hear that thing chirp. Did that just I chirp? Just, I just heard a chirp, yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's how you know that they're here. So I had a client in here just the other day. She was talking about her grandfather, this and that. And he goes, chirp. I'm like, he's here. She's like, how do you know? I'm like, he's messing with the, the smoke detector right now. Chirp! Right there. <laughs> he did a third chirp, and I'm like, I think he's done. Didn't hear another chirp for the rest of the session, hour and a half. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that's confirmation right yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, and, and I got, <laughs> it was like on cue. Yeah. It was on cue. Because they're, li they're listening. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that's confirming that there's nothing to be scared of. Yeah. Like, we're all one. We're all coming from the same place. The way Paramahansa talks about it is like, the light and the dark are coming from the same beam of light. Yeah. The light and the shadow is projected by the same beam. And we have a beam within us, too, that's projecting shit. Let's understand that there's nothing to be afraid of. Nothing is going to kill us. Energy can neither be created nor destroyed. Like, it's just, we need to marry all of our truths and all of our beliefs mm -hmm. into some concrete foundation. Mm -hmm. So we can finally step out of fear. And things like Donald Trump... And other things that start happening that reflect fear to us, because there's plenty of them on the other side of the aisle, too. The Dems think the Republicans are fear-mongering, but the Dems have been doing it for decades. Like, <laughs> wake up, people. There's nothing to be afraid of but fear itself. So, again, all these old axioms, these old cliches, if you start to bring all these keys together, they're going to open and unlock a door to love. And you're going to realize there is no fear. There's nothing to be afraid of. It's all shadows and light. Tibetan Buddhism... Tibetan dream, uh, dream healing, right? Yeah, dream yoga. Okay. Dream yoga. Going into your dream. The Dalai Lama, he realizes that we're in the waking dream. Yeah. He, he's already there, right? <laughs> yeah. So you train, you train in the dream yoga to become lucid in your, in your dream. Not realizing that you're already in a dream having a dream, Inception. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay? Like, it gets, it gets real tricky, but you need to step back from all of it and go, fuck, it's all one big play. There's nothing to be afraid of. It's just fear that we're making up because of our perceptions or our beliefs or our paradigms, our conditioning. All this stuff is creating the fear so that we can see it, so we can let go of it. Mm. Not so we can see it and continue to be afraid of it. So maybe the better question is when I'm feeling like a, a need for a boundary, asking what does this have to teach me or what can I be open to in this moment? What am I feeling right now? What am I afraid of? What am I feeling? Yeah. Let me start asking more questions. Yeah, I mean, this is yeah. what I tell my clients. If if you want to know, if you want to know what your subconscious is holding on to, dig into the feeling of what you're feeling, mm. and once you find out what that feeling is, you think that's the answer. Ask yourself why are you feeling that, and you'll find another fear underneath that. And if you ask yourself why again, you're going to find another fear underneath that. And if you if you ask yourself why again, you're going to find another fear under that. 
And if you get down to the very bottom of everything, it's just the fear of death. Mm. Period. End of story. Every fear comes down to the fear of death. On some level, you think you're going to die. But if you know that your energy, you're not going to die. Yeah, well, I think the... Quick example. Uh, Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, no, sure, sure. Save that thought. Bookmark that. But I was in Hawaii recently on a spiritual journey. And we were on the wet side of the big island. And I was just taking a walk down this like country road. And it's a bunch of ranch homes and things. Just beautiful. Beautiful flowers. You know, manicured. Just scenery is beautiful. And I'm just taking a stroll and... I'm admiring this one lady's property, just beautiful birds of paradise and things I've never seen before. I'm just like, wow. And I hear a voice in my head say, the dogs are coming. And I'm like, fucking dogs? Like, we've been here for three days. I haven't seen one single dog. <laughs> what dogs are coming? And then I hear this. And I'm like, oh, shit. And I turn to my right, and there's these three dogs, two big ones and one small one pretending to be big, <laughs> running at me, ears back, full barks like they're in full stride heading oh, right man. for me and this is one of my fears because as a child i had a dog chasing me and it was chasing me and my brother but my brother was faster than i <laughs> and he runs into the garage and closes the garage oh, no. behind him and i'm like wait and the dog is still coming after me right turns out the dog was just pregnant not rabid not trying to hurt anybody but it was just panicking because it was pregnant Still not to induce so, the fear response in you. <laughs> yeah. So here I am in Hawaii going, looking at these dogs, and your thoughts are like rapping. Oh, God. This is how it's going to end? This is why you brought me? Like, this is how my life is going to end? I'm going to get mauled by two big dogs and a little one pretending to be big? And all I hear in my head is, send love. Send mm. love. So I literally stood there. Because I knew if I ran, they were going to they're gonna jump on me. That's and what there's, they do. Yeah. There, there's, that's instinct, right? So I stood there with my arms open. I'm like, I love you. I love you. Fully expecting them to pounce. Like they're maybe about 15 feet from me at this point. I have a second before they are right upon me. I'm like, I love you. I love you. I love you. They come to a complete stop and they start licking my hands and rubbing up again. Not the little one, the two big ones. <laughs> and out comes this 80 year old woman like hobbling down her driveway. Oh my God. Thank God. Thank God. You must be a really nice person. And I'm like, yeah, as I check my shorts to make sure I didn't shit myself. I'm like, I think so. And she goes, I was fully expecting to see my dogs either all over some little dog or attacking some human. And she goes, you must be a good person. Who are you? And I'm like, I'm a healer from Los Angeles. <laughs> Trying to get my heartbeat back. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And uh, as I'm sure you know, in Paramahanda Yogananda's book, he talks about that a lot, like the, the sages who quell the beasts in the forest. You know, he's going to be yogis in the forest, and tigers and crazy animals. Dude, and Sadhguru is, he's holding a cobra while he's giving a lecture. Who holds a cobra? The cobra's hood, like, flares out once in a while, and he just, like, looks at it, like, calm down, dude. That's... Anybody who tells me they're enlightened, I'll be like, yeah, go handle a cobra. You think you're enlightened? Go grab a cobra. Let's see how the cobra reacts to you holding it. It's crazy, man. Yeah, yeah they pick you gotta up those, be those one. subtle vibes. Yeah, you got to be one. Uh, so that thing that I, that I was going to say was um, we were talking about the fear of death being the underlying fear. Mm. And I heard, heard this thing the other day. Um, oh, so sorry. That's why I wanted to bring that up. Like, I was afraid to die. Yeah. I, I was literally, th I thought I was going to get mauled to death by these dogs. I had to give up that fear and stand in a place of love. 
But the, the part of me that wanted to create a boundary wanted to run. Yeah. That would have been fear. And the result, the learning, the lesson, the healing in that was don't be afraid. Stand there. Come from love. It'll change everything. And it did. It really did. It did. <laughs> You're still here today. <laughs> it did, yeah. No bites. No bites. <laughs> nice. That's great. <laughs> um, so the line was, if you die before you die, then you don't die when you die. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Who's that quote from? Uh, it was inscribed oh, on a church. so amazing. It was inscribed like on a door of a church. I think that's why people are doing these journeys. Okay. So that's a yes. So whether they're aware of it or not, they're taking these ayahuasca journeys because the, these are many deaths. Yeah. But how many times do you need to die to realize that you can never die? You just got to see that once, I think. To me, yeah. I think it's just once. Unless you've already had that experience, then you don't need to do it. Yeah. Because there is a moment in time when you're doing ayahuasca, if you take it deep enough, if you take that journey deep enough, that you do feel like you are going to die. Period. End of story. There is a moment, whether a second or two or three, that you're like, oh shit, this is it. Well, when you were talking about grabbing onto the couch and you did DMT, that, that was the feeling I had. I was like, I don't know if I'm losing contact with this body or not. <laughs> yeah. The near overdose on cocaine that I had back in the day, I thought I was dying. Like vision closing, skin turned pale, heart was beating quite erratically, body was not breathing. I was I was dying. I literally called out to God in that moment. I'm like, no, God, not like this. I said, don't let my mom find me like this, is my exact words. And my body took a deep breath and vision came back. Skin color came back, dumped the coke, never touched it again. But you ha when you have these moments of almost dying, and it happens enough, like there was another event where um, I was going to be in a collision with, with this huge truck, that something happened, and I know for a fact that this truck and my car moved through each other and repositioned ourselves. And... Like there are these, there are these moments when you get into a space where you're like, fuck, this is it. And you experience that death before the death that it brings you closer to understanding that there, there is no death on some level, whether cellular or mental, it's, it's happening on some level. So I think just to go back to the ayahuasca stuff, I think I keep getting confirmation on this. So I think, I don't think most people are aware that that's why they're doing it, but I think that it's happening so they can come to a, a place of peace about death and realize that they are, one, so much more than their body and their mind, but that, two, that death is just a misnomer. It's yeah. actually just a transition into something else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Freud talks about the death urge and our mm. impulse. Like, we're, we feel like we're pulled towards death, and so we have that death mentality. And Leonard Orr, who does breath work, he just passed this past week, actually. Oh. He... Uh, yeah, one of his one of his books that I have is I'm called like, oh, "Breaking the him. Death Habit." <laughs> <laughs> He's leaving before all the uh, shit hits the fan. Wow. No. <laughs> okay. well, his book is "Breaking the Death Habit." Oh, awesome! And so, yeah, just really living from this place of of life and living as an expression of life is so much more powerful than that's just waiting to die. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a different way of of being. Yes. Yeah, I love then it. Then you can actually live. Yeah. If you can let death go, then you can actually live while you're here. I know. Like, if I have a night shift, my whole morning is, like, it's like this weight hanging over me. And I can't really enjoy my morning. Even if I go on a hike or something, I'm like, ah, I got work later. <laughs> so, yeah, to, to not live like I'm waiting for death, it feels yes. so different than, yes. than, than like, oh, I'm just going to die later. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so much more positive. And, and, and 
the 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 creative juices and expressive juices like just flow so much more yeah. openly. Yeah, there's yeah. not just walls around the whole thing. So true. Man. Boundaries, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Let them all down. Let all the floodgates roam, roam, roam. So what about this, uh, This uh, we doing okay on time? I think I got another 10 minutes. Another 10 minutes? Okay. All right, cool, yeah. Uh, we can we can start to wind it down then. I, I guess I just kind of wanted to, to touch on some of your videos a little bit. Maybe sure. we can just go, uh, one of them. So you're, you've got some awesome videos about tapping into your intuition and raising your vibration. Um, but one that I really I really liked is that you're... Your one, which superpower do you have? <laughs> and you point out how ESP, extrasensory perception, is really just sensory perception. <laughs> and you go through clairvoyance, clear seeing, clairaudience, clear hearing, clairsentience, clear uh, feeling, and claircognizance, clear knowing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talk about, talked about a little bit about like how we can determine which power is ours. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm really, I, I guess, curious just to hear you talk a little bit about how to to listen more about those things because like i said i I sometimes like hear a little faint whisper of the the word that's coming up or whatever my visual acuity isn't so great but i consider myself a visionary like i can be creative in what i imagine the future to be so i i guess uh in terms of accessing some of these uh quote-unquote superpowers that we all have (laughs) that are within all of our abilities um uh, what tips do we have for people who haven't watched your your video um, for listening in and, and discovering what our superpowers are. So it was just a clever way to, to actually entitle the video. Yeah, And yeah, then yeah. <laughs> when I get into the video, I, I give you clues to find out if you have superpowers. And one of the clues yeah. is check your pulse. <laughs> so we, like we all have these superpowers. They're latent in a lot of us. Some of us are born with them, more activated than others. Mm-hmm. But I think the best way to get in touch with everybody's clairsentient, and I'll give you an example of it. Even if your eyes were closed, you can tell if somebody's standing next to you. Mm-hmm. You're feeling their energy next to you. Okay? Yeah. You can feel when you're next to an inanimate object even, most times. You can feel when you're standing next to a wall or something like that. Totally. And the times when you're not and you feel like there's a wall next to you, it's because there is an energy next to you. Mm. So you're feeling an energy next to you, even if it's not a physical being or a physical construct okay, from this matrix that we live in. Um, what I would suggest to anyone looking to understand which gift is theirs because they say that one or two tend to be the highest, um, the most expressed Mm -hmm. in each individual. And it's rare to have four out of the four main ones. But I'll tell you in in my experience, it's, um, it's more about you experiencing them all at different times. And then you'll realize that you have them all all the time. Mm. So it's just figuring out which ones express for you more than others. Um, for like, if you have a vivid imagination and you can see things clearly in your head, if I say, you know, red frog and you can see a red frog in your head. If I tell you, you know, um, a green pool of water and you can see that clearly in your head, then you're most likely a visionary. Your third eye is active. You have an active imagination. Imagination is actually real. It's not something false. We can get into that on a whole nother. Yeah, episode. I would love to. Yeah. Um, but even Einstein says, like, the true mark of intelligence is not knowledge, it's imagination. Yeah, I think I might okay. have said that on the last episode. Totally. Yeah, which is, it's, <laughs> it's brilliant. It's so, so true. It's so yeah. brilliant, and it's true. Because a lot of the work that I do, I'm imagining the health of my client. Mm. And then the health shows up. Yeah. It's almost like I have superimposed my mental or imaginative template upon their reality. 
and with the help of God, it's a shared reality, isn't it? <laughs> it becomes it becomes a shared reality. Yeah. It becomes their reality too. Nice. So, what I would say is, if you're trying to figure out what which Claire you are, you know, Claire sentient, <laughs> cognizant. Uh, there's even Claire aliens, like being able to clearly taste something, mm. uh, or gustance is the tasting. Claire aliens is your ability to smell something. Um, so you can smell smells of old. I remember being in a haunted house once. It wasn't a haunted house that I. It was just a house in old Hollywood, and I remember hearing woman's heels clicking and walking and feeling this cold air everywhere I heard the clicking. And I could sense that somebody was like looking at me in the face because I would feel this cold vapor just hovering right around my face and then it would move and then I'd hear the clicking again. Wow. So I could tell that like all of my senses were getting activated at that time. But I even smelled pipe tobacco in that house. As I was coming through the foyer, I was like, is anybody, there's only four of us now and nobody smoked. I smoked at the time. I was smoking marijuana at the time. I'm like, is somebody smoking? They're like, yeah, it smells like marijuana. I'm like, that's not marijuana. Like, I know what marijuana is. That is pipe tobacco. Like, my grandfather used to smoke pipe. Yeah. I know what that smells distinct. like. Very distinct. So we have these abilities. We just don't know that we're registering them sometimes. So the thing that I would suggest is if you want to know what you are, put yourself in practices that widen your awareness. Mm. Don't try to focus on which gift you are. Just open up your perception mm -hmm. to, to more than just what your eyes are seeing, your ears are hearing, your thoughts are thinking, your nose is smelling. Just be more evaporative. Evaporative, if that's a word. Like, keep your awareness wide. Don't be so myopic with the physical senses. Just imagine what it would be like. Use the imagination to imagine what it would be like to feel something non-physical. Mm-hmm. And you'll end up tapping in with that gift that's already active, but you haven't touched on it because you haven't put your awareness there. Yeah. So it's less about, to me or to them, whatever, <laughs> it's less about trying to figure out which gift you have and more about widening your awareness so you can use all of your gifts as a human. And I say superhuman as just like a little play on the words yeah. because the full-grown human is actually what we think a superhuman is. Totally. So we think that Superman is this thing. We are Superman. Yeah, people are always talking about the next evolution of humanity, but it, you know, we, then we see, look at these ancient traditions that have had these abilities, and you're like, oh, so it's not our the, fullest potential. And like, it's like, if you read the autobiography of a yogi, so amazing. Paramahansa made it his job to find saints. Yeah. So in different religions, in different regions around the world, he found people that subsisted on air, Yep. No food. They subsisted on the Holy Spirit, which yeah. we call the energy around us, right? One of the three aspects. And of, that woman was documented, God. too. Like, like they had a lot like scientists and living with her kept, for a week. Yeah, and, yeah, and they, she was kept on yeah, purpose. They, they documented right? her very well. There's three yogis that were able to, when they joined arms, they were able to walk or run on water, right? Didn't Jesus stand on water? And then Peter did for a moment until he lost his faith and he fell in the water. Mm. Like these are all things that we're capable of that these avatars through time have been trying to show us. Yeah. And even somebody who's not an avatar, I don't know if he had done anything to the extent of the gurus and yogis that he found or the other saints that he found, but he found them and he reported it back to us. Right? There's a reason that Steve Jobs left that as a gift for everybody who was at his funeral. He gave that book as a gift to everybody who was at his funeral. Oh, wow. It was the only book found on his iPad when he died. It's the autobiography of a yogi. Yeah. 
That's, it changed my life when I read it, yeah. Now, I heard he was an asshole. So maybe his asshole <laughs> voice was talking a lot. I don't know. <laughs> Not for me to judge. But the point is, even he was interested in the fact that we are more than just these physical beings that are trapped by gravity or whatever other laws science has made up that we have bought into that now limit our ability to be superhuman, yeah. which is really just fully human. Totally. So we have these gifts. They're inside of us. And I urge everybody listening, spend some time in silence. Be still. Close, turn off your outward senses, whether you do it in a deprivation tank or you do it on your couch at home. Just go inward. And that's, that's the whole deal behind these gurus is they, they're teaching you to go inside for the truth. Don't even listen to them. But like Sadhguru, for instance, he went into Samadhi when he was 16. He sat down to meditate for a half hour, came back 13 days later. 13 days later, not eating, not moving, not breathing, not drinking, heart barely beating. And then, boom, comes back into his body and there's a whole crowd of people around him. Whoa. It's like, where'd you guys come from? They're like, you've been gone for two weeks. Where were you? (laughs) Right? So like these people are here to be the example. Like Gandhi said, be the change that we wish to see. We want to overcome these human issues. Well, overcome them within yourself. Become superhuman, like Dr. Joe Dispenza says. Like, become superhuman. Access the parts of you, the deepest parts of you. Paramahansa talks about... The spine and the brain are the altars of God. That's where the soul descends and inhabits this physical body. It's in the spine. Where do all of our nerves reach back into? All of our peripheral nerves go back to the spine to input, to relay information from our outer world back to the real part of us that's housed in what the ancient Egyptians would call the ka, which is your soul, which is housed in the spinal column. Merkaba. Merkaba. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. That's a great way to close it out. This has been so cool. Um, is there anything else you want to share with people where they can find you? Uh, we, when are we Sure. Said, uh, I mean, anyone who needs to find me can find me. My name is Kevin Akkad, A-C-K-A-D. Um, I have a website, innershifthealing.com. Um, if you feel called, like, I, I don't need you, but <laughs> I, I hope to be of service to you. If you feel called, reach out. Otherwise, God bless, you know, on your journey. Everybody's got their path to walk. I'm here if you need me. I would love to be of service. I, I love you, Anthony. Thank you for the opportunity. This has been just wonderful. I, I, do, I do talk with every client that calls in. I have at least a 10-minute conversation with them. And they say, thank you for taking the time. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I could talk about this all day. <laughs> like, if I didn't have to meet my parents today, like, we would still be talking about this. But maybe we can do another show. Yeah, I would love to do a follow-up we'll do and, yeah. and dig into some of these uh, specific topics a little bit more. Sure. This is a little bit of an overview. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time Man, out today. my pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of A Flare for the Curious. Uh, the links to everything you need are going to be in the show notes and at aflareforthecurious.com. Please rate and review this podcast. Share it with somebody. Word of mouth is the best way to contribute to the podcast. And leave us a comment and some feedback. I'd love to hear what you thought of the episode, what you would have asked if you were me, what uh, you did or didn't like. Um, Go ahead and share the episode, and if you are experiencing abundance in your life and able to make a financial contribution, all the links you need are also at aflareforthecurious.com. 
I'll contribute. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you've already made quite the contribution. Um, <laughs> I'd love to support you. Yeah, yeah this, has been, this has been great. So yeah, this is really a, a labor of love, um, but it's not free to produce. So I appreciate any contributions people have. Um, but again, this is really for you, so I hope everybody got something good out of this today. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. And uh, stay curious, never stop asking questions, and don't forget, keep your heart open. Thanks, everybody. Bye.